two, one. First things first, I'm the realest. realest. Drop this and let the whole world feel it. Let them feel it. And I'm still in the murder business. I can hold you down like I'm giving lessons in physics. Right, right. right. You should want a bad bitch like this. Huh? Drop it low and pick it up just like this. Yeah. Cup of Ace, cup of Goose, cup of Chris. I heal something worth a half a ticket on my wrist. On my wrist. Taking all the liquor straight. Never chase that. Never. Drop like we bring an 88 back. What? In the hood, see where the bass at. Champagne spilling. You all right, we are live. We are back in action on the third and three podcast, talking about the teams that fell off from the NFL playoffs, where there are no more days off unless you're K- GB or KC with the number one seed as two of the best quarterbacks fight for the MVP. You're listening to third and three with JD and Nikki, starting with the wild card round to the NFL crown. My name is Jason Fearman. I am, I am extremely happy to be back with my tag team partners after a much-needed week off, and we got all the NFL playoff talk and info you need, so let's get this thing going. But first, a huge thanks to my co-host for doing an amazing job in my absence last week as the real deal Damian Adams was just that, the real deal as he came in to play quarterback and was accurate as his boy, Drew Brees. Well done, D. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, man. It means a lot coming from the starting quarterback. You know, I just came in, tried to make sure I didn't turn the ball over too much, <laughs> let the defense of Nikki take control of the game, and we got the victory. You know, sometimes you just got to play complimentary football, and that's what we do on this pot of heads. <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I ain't no Carson Wentz. I ain't jealous when uh, the better quarterback, Jalen Hurts, comes in. I'm, I'm down with it. It's all good. <laughs> and tricky Nikki G, of course, the only thing I didn't miss from the show was knowledge with Nikki, as you know, even though it still is my favorite part of the show. But getting a beat down on public radio is tough from you, kid. Nikki, you were always, you're always on point. Wonderful job out of you last week. It was really great to listen to you guys. That was really cool. Yeah, I think Dee and I did a good job. We are glad you are rested and back and had some much needed time off. But I think we are both happy to hand it back over and just (laughs) do what we do. Hey, we all play our parts. We do them wonderfully. It's a beautiful thing. Again, it's just magic was made. And here it is. It's third and three. We're brought to you by Anchor Radio and presented by the sports column. As you know, we got some quick shout outs today. I'm going to give mine first. And that's really, this is like a friend shout out over here to Ashley Elliott, who is at the scoop 27 and Lamont Broadus at LA underscore B R O A D U S for their Cleveland Browns making the playoffs for the first time since 2003. They're both diehard live and die with them bleed their colors so again not only are they friends uh they're huge fans of the browns it's been a long time and they've ridden with them the whole time so shout out to you guys ashley elliott lamont Bradis. i told you i was gonna do it i'm here for you guys so uh yep happy for them and uh damien i know you got one too yeah, that's a really good shout out right there um my guy la brought us inside of a three-point conversion huge like true blue Browns fan, been through all the bad times, so I'm very happy for those guys. Uh, for my shout-out, I want to shout-out Renee Washington. Um, she's host of a show called 
um, behind the headlines with Renee Washington. You can find her at on Twitter at Renee P. Wash. You know, Washington's kind of long, so it's Renee P. Wash right. on Twitter. Um, she just constantly killing the game as far as creating content. Uh, she's just so accomplished, former three-time All-American in soccer, and, and she was in college, somebody who's worked for ESPN, Fox Sports, uh, also hosted an NBA show called Locked on Wizards uh, for a podcast I was, you know, a part, I was happy to be a part of when she did that as well. Uh, she is somebody who's constantly killing it. So go ahead and follow her, Nate P. Wash, on Twitter. That's my shout for today. That's a great shout out too, because yeah, I follow her, you know, we follow each other and she, you're right, man. She is grinding, bro. Every day she puts in work and she deserves everything that she's got coming to her. She does a great job and she's a great follow. There's no question. Yeah, she's very accomplished. I, I like that one a lot. Well done. All right, Mickey, you're going to have to follow that one up with your shout out. I can't. I follow Renee as well, and she she (laughs) does kill it. So mine is our friend Brian Dudek. Um, He is in our league. Yes, our picks league. But he's always so supportive of the show. He retweets everything. Um, So just appreciation on our end. You guys can um, follow Brian on Twitter Mm -hmm. at Dudek. So D-U-D-E-K. Brian. Um, and he's a great sports follow and very supportive. No doubt. I totally agree with that one as well. I believe I gave him a shout out once on my solo show. So that's great. I had him on. Um, yep. A lot of fun. No doubt. Yeah. He is a big supporter of the show. No question. No question. All right. Look, you know what it is. It's news time. We got to get into it. Neighborhood news. You know how we do this stuff around here. So it's really going to be uh, coach centric, I guess, this time on the on the uh, neighborhood news because we have so much to talk about. So let's get into it. <laughs> Starting off with bad news that we already knew, but with the Packers going into the playoffs as the number one seed, guys, David Bakhtiari, who's one of the best left tackles in the game, uh, as you guys know, he's out. And I wonder how much that's going to hurt them going down. Um, it didn't seem to hurt against the Bears, but then again, we're not talking about a juggernaut in the Bears over there. So... We'll see how that plays out. Aaron Rodgers seems to pull out magic sometimes and maybe a little magic over here is Cooper Cup was maybe not even going to be playing this upcoming Sunday against Seattle in the playoffs, but he was activated off the COVID list, which is really good news for the Rams as we try to find out what's going to be going on with Jared Goff and his thumb against the Seahawks. I don't know if they want to see that Wolf kid again. I mean, that's another thing. Also got Jamal Adams, who... He said he's playing, but he's a little banged up. But you know that guy wants to go out there and play. Another really bad one, guys, and I just got to get your opinion about this quick. Kevin Stefanski not even going to be able to be on the sideline for the biggest game in Browns history since probably 1986-87. Damien, how much is that going to hurt? It's a huge loss, right? Because not only is he the head coach where he manages all of the you know ins and outs of the game, clock management but he's also the play caller so on offense when you look to him to call that right play fourth and one should we go for it should we not if we do go for it what do we call all those decisions fall on him so now it's going to fall on the special teams coach who I'm pretty sure is qualified but to be thrown in the situation at this point if it was week eight you're like okay cool you can see what happens you see how he'll adjust to the moment if they lose you know you know why your head coach is there for it to happen now just absolutely stinks, man. 
It does, Nick. You know, you talk about a team who had to fight till the very end, literally, to get into the playoffs against, you know, a Pittsburgh team who didn't have much to play for, but that's another story. They got in, and now they hear this bad news. And, you know, Damian pointed out all the facts about the play calling, the fact that his presence alone has turned this team from a six-win team to an 11-win team. That's a killer, him not being there. And I wonder if Baker Mayfield's going to take it upon himself a little bit to be like, listen, I know how we kind of run things over here. Maybe there's going to be a bunch of audibles at the line. I don't know how this is going to play out, but I agree with, with uh, Damian. This is gonna, this is a killer, Nikki. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, this sucks for them. But honestly, like, I feel like if it was going to happen to any team, it would be the Browns. <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Oh, my goodness, the Browns. Well, going over to the Broncos real quick, John Elway's stepping down as the GM. He's still going to be the president of the team, but he's going to hand over the general manager ring to somebody else, which I think is a really good idea because he hasn't done that very good of a job himself, to be honest. Uh, yeah, he got Peyton Manning, but, you know, okay. Uh, got him a Super Bowl, went to another one, but we're talking about building a team here, and it hasn't worked out yet. Let's see. Okay, just to get into the firings real quick, which you guys mostly know by now, and then we're going to start getting knee-deep into this show over here with the playoffs. Of course, our applause and tomatoes are coming up, but the firings, we got six so far, if my math is correct, and I like to hope it is. Uh, the latest few to go down was Adam Gase, no-brainer, Anthony Lynn, which I thought, I feel bad, but he is fired. Doug Marone is out in Jacksonville joining teams that already were without head coaches like Atlanta, Detroit, and Houston. All right, so you got six teams looking for a head coach, and we'll see if Urban Meyer comes up or whatever names do come up. But out of those teams, you know, we got, <clears throat> excuse me again, the Jets with Sam Darnold presumptively, you know, uh, the Chargers got uh, Josh Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert, excuse me, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to get Trevor Lawrence, it looks like. Detroit is pretty much a mess right now. Houston's got Deshaun Watson. Atlanta's one of those teams that I don't know if you want to get into because they're going to start rebuilding soon. So with all that being said, Nikki, does one pop up in your mind, maybe quarterback driven that you would, you know, say might be the best head coaching job right now? Um, For me, I believe that would be Houston. I mean, I know they don't really have any money to spend right now because somebody got paid um but that's exactly it bill i feel like this team is you know a, the right gm the right head coach it's a culture change away and an offensive line but um they have the pieces and you got a damn good quarterback who has i know they only have like four wins this season but i mean you've been in every game because of him so um, yeah, for me, that would be Houston and look at the giants. Like it was just a culture change away and a lot can happen in a season. So, uh, yeah, I, who would not want to coach Deshaun Watson? Yeah. I mean, you hit it on the head. I mean, we were going over our top quarterbacks. I mean, he landed in the top four or five at worst. I mean, Damien, we know how great he is. Um, I want to hear what you got to say, but you know what? I probably want to go to the chargers, LA, maybe, you know, more of an attractive place to go to. Now you got young quarterback. You still have, you know, young players. Um, yeah, they have a lot of work to do. There's no doubt about it. But I don't know. I think that to me, the Chargers may be the most attractive place. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Chargers are the most attractive. Uh, Justin Herbert is a great QB coming up and also has not got paid yet. I think that's a benefit because now you get to build around him while he's on his rookie deal. Mm -hmm. uh, as great as Deshaun Watson is, not only did he get paid, so he's a big part of the salary cap, 
the previous coach slash GM messed them up so much. They don't have a first or second round pick this year. So you not only are you going into the situation where your cap is kind of stuck, you can't even build through the draft the first year, right? And Deshaun Watson probably can make up for all that because he's so great. But if I'm a new head coach, I'm trying to go into the best situation where I can feel like I can build this team and also have something there that's already a good foundation. I think the Chargers have that there with some talent. Yeah, I like them too. Again, not that, uh, you know, Houston's a terrible choice. You know, you're talking about Deshaun Watson, who is just, again, unbelievable and makes things happen. And look, they took Tennessee, you know, all the way. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. But um, yeah, they may be the two most. And some people say, well, Jacksonville, you're going to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, well, who else are you going to get? So, you know, we'll see. All that is to be determined. But now we must get into one of the most awesome segments where Nikki is just, I mean, she goes to the grocery store every freaking weekend and she <laughs> loads up on these tomatoes over here because you know that she's about to toss them all over the place. So I can't wait to see where they're going. Nikki, <laughs> first of all, we know that we're going to get a lot of this. So I say, let's get it out of the way. Let's get these tomatoes going, Nikki. Where are you throwing them? <laughs> Where do you think they're going? I mean, is it any surprise? Like, no. <laughs> if Doug Peterson shows his face in the tri-state area, I guarantee you, dude is getting more than rotten tomatoes thrown at him. I guarantee <laughs> you. It's happening. I just, okay, so now that we've had three days to hear everything and kind of digest, listen, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear this. He did it for the draft pick that you can miss me with that bullshit. Miss me with the bullshit. You went from nine to six. No, if you wanted to tank, then you don't play any of your starters. Put Carson Wentz in. Why was he a healthy scratch? You don't do what you did. You don't disrespect the game like that. So I don't want to hear this was strategic because it wasn't okay. Um, I also, I understand the Giants should have handled their business. Yes, they absolutely should have. You had all your chances. You should have handled it in December. Listen, we, I knew it. You can't rely on these bums. You can't rely on Philly. It's a classless move from a classless organization. And you know who's got class? Tom Coughlin has class when we had the playoffs locked up. And guess what? We still went out there. We played hard against the Patriots for the last game in 07. So you know what, Doug Peterson? If I see you, I'm throwing more than rotten tomatoes because you ruin the integrity of the game and the sport. And you don't tell professional competitors to go out there and not win. I was disgraced, disgusted, and it just fuels the fire for the rivalry even more. I cannot stand this team. I cannot stand this fan base. I hate these people more than Dallas. It's <laughs> freaking awesome. Only Nikki could do it that way. That's it. Only she could do it that way. Absolutely. It makes you think that there's a conspiracy at hand. There is. He hates really? the Giants. He hates the Giants. Yeah, well, oh, there it goes. There's a the conspiracy button. It just popped up out of nowhere. You know, as far as this topic is concerned, we're obviously going to talk about it. Do we want to get into it now? Or are we going to save it for maybe the game? Because this is something we have to talk about. So, you know what? We'll save it for when we get to that game, actually. We'll do it that way. We'll continue with our applause and tomatoes. Let's do it like that. Uh, Damien, you're up. You going applause or you going tomatoes? Um, I'll continue with the tomato fest. 
All right. Um, <laughs> Nikki threw all the tomatoes. I think the grocery store may have to restock after that one. Yep. Um, <laughs> but for my tomatoes, I'm going to throw them at the referees for the Lions and Vikings game. Ooh. Now, I know that this game didn't matter at all, right? For neither team, it is out there playing for pride. But I only saw one play. Fourth and goal, the Vikings are going in and try to win the game. Game's on the line. If they score, they win. If the Lions stop them, they win. Lions run this blitz. Cornerback comes through perfectly. Vikings QB, Kirk Cousins, has no answer for it, just has to fall down. As he's falling down, the cornerback tackles him. Nothing is malicious. There's no ill intent. Regular tackle. He doesn't drive him into the ground, doesn't leave with the crown of his helmet. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Flag comes out, roughing the passer. Oh, First and goal, Vikings going to win the game. Mm. The NFL is very lucky that this game did not matter. Because if that was something on the line, say if the Vikings were still fighting for a playoff spot, or if the Lions were, because the Lions were the one who got, you know, got cheated in this game. If the Lions were still going for a playoff spot, man, there would be so much being thrown besides tomatoes, middle <laughs> fingers. Like it was such it was such a bad call that I want to make I hope that referee that made that call does not referee a playoff game. We don't need any of those type of shenanigans going on in the playoffs it was a clear regular sack nothing like i said it was a cornerback so first of all so he doesn't even have it's not somebody who you look at and it's like oh he's driving him into the ground or he's trying to put all his weight on him it wasn't anything like that it was there's nothing close to a rough in the past on the call i don't know if you guys saw it but it was just horrible and it cost the lions the game i understand like i said the lions weren't playing for anything so that's probably why a lot of people weren't you know up in arms about it but if he's refereeing for a playoff game that happens, it's going to be hell to pay. Yeah, I, I think it, the referee was saying something like this. It was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. <laughs> and that's just what happens sometimes. You know, you really goof up. And I, I guess that's what it was. Because I know what you're saying. I didn't get to watch the whole game because it wasn't obviously as meaningful as the others. But that stuff happens all the time. And, you know, whether it's a pass interference, you know, or a late hit on a quarterback, those things are just the ones that drive me ballistic, man. They absolutely do. They really do. Those are very good tomatoes, guys. And I was on board with a couple of them. I, I had a few of these. But you know what, Nikki? I'm going to have to go to your Cowboy-Giant game. And there was a very specific moment. And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. When Pettis caught the ball but really didn't catch the ball, all right, <laughs> And Mike McCarthy and his staff and everybody who had so much time to look at this Mm -hmm. from three different angles saw that he did not catch the ball. What that did was give the Giants a four-point lead in that game, correct, Nikki, at that point, 23-19? Yes, yes. Okay. So if that doesn't happen, most likely the Giants are not going to even attempt a field goal. They're going to punt, maybe pin the Cowboys back, whatever. But at least that gives them a chance to go down and kick a field goal. Not only that, they should have gone for the two-point conversion when they had the chance to try to get to, to uh, tie the game. But instead, it started to go down by one. I, I, it, it didn't really make any sense to me. The coaching of McCarthy, you talk about Doug Peterson this week. McCarthy was a freaking mess. He did a horrible job coaching this game. And again, that play right there, if they really wanted to win the division, you got to look at that play. You got to call time, do whatever you got to do to make sure you get that look. 
And that means everything. That was between a field goal and a punt and being a one-point game as opposed to a four-point game. And that is tomato freaking city. That's a bad, terrible job by the coaches and their staff. And good for the Giants. I was happy, you know, because I was rooting for them. But I'm looking at that and I'm like, yeah, I had a couple of friends here. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Absolutely blew it. So I can go tomatoes a lot of places, but um, I love throwing them at the Cowboys. So I had my opportunity and I did it. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. That's mine. And man, I could see a lot of round of applause just going out this week. So Nikki, let's get on a happy note over here. Let's see what we got. Okay. Let's put out some happy vibes. Um, mine is to Justin Jefferson, who had a huge day on Sunday, catching nine of his 12 targets for 133 yards. And he broke the rookie receiving record previously held by none other than Mr. Randy Moss. So just a great season all around for this kid. Absolutely. And same team too. How do you like that? (laughs) Yep. Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, still probably my rookie of the year pick. So I have absolutely no problem with that one at all. Damien, I know that a lot of people are leaning Justin Herbert, but regardless, Justin Jefferson is a wide receiver that's going to be here for a long time. Yeah, no, he's special. He is special. The fact that they were able to give up Stefan Diggs and then get Justin Jefferson in the draft um, really made up for some of the, the hurt that they see now with Stefan Diggs just balling out in Buffalo. Um, sure. <laughs> but for my round of applause, I'm going to give mine to the Houston Texans. Uh, you threw your tomatoes at Philly for not giving a full effort for going out there and, you know, just spoiling the game for us. The Texans did the complete opposite. In that Tennessee game, um, they could have easily gave up. Tennessee got up. They could have easily just said, okay, one, two, three, Cancun, let's go home. Um, but they came back and they made it a real game. And the Titans were in real danger of losing the division there. Now they had a horrible play called in where they let AJ Brown get behind them on the deep pass where that was the only option the Titans had to try to get a score. But that was just them being a bad football team, not them trying to lose. So I just want to give the round of applause to the Texans for putting out a hell of an effort out there, even though they had nothing to play for. Hey, hey, there you go, man. That's awesome. That's what I love. You know, like I, I wrote down a couple of things for um, for round of applause. One of them was Vikings and Lions, Vikings and Lions, excuse me, for playing maybe the game of the week and they had nothing to play for. So I love that one right there. I'm going to give a really quick applause. Congratulations to Derek Henry for being the eighth member of the 2000 yard club. He deserves it. He did it. He's probably going to do it again. He's the best pure running back in the NFL. Forget about catching the ball. The guy's a monster. If he wants it, he's going to go get it. He knew what he needed, and he got exactly what he needed. So he's the eighth member of the 2,000-yard club. Congratulations to you. I mean, that's just awesome. But to go back to my uh, applause for this week, it goes back to my shout-out and also a pat on the back for me for picking the Browns to make the playoffs. (laughs) 11 and five. So congratulations to them, all their fans. And for my little sports profit action over here, which doesn't come true all the time, but I told you guys, this is the year they're finally in the playoffs and they did. And they did. So I had my little moment there. That's a nailed it moment. Ooh, little tease. We're going to get to something new and special called nailed it or failed it coming up pretty soon over here. But 
We got our ranting recap to go on to, guys. Last week, I was not present. Like I said, Nikki and Damien held it down for me beautifully. They both had great records in a week where it's really hard to have a really good record because uh, week 17 is just all over the place. You don't know who's playing. You don't know what's going to happen, whatever. But Nick, They both triple locked. That's number one. So that's fantastic right off the bat. Nikki 12 and four, Damien 11 and five. I applaud both of you. Those are great records, especially in week 17. You know how hard it is, Damien. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of mad at myself because one of the picks I made was just pure with my heart. <laughs> uh, and I uh, picked Chicago to beat Green Bay because the Saints needed Green Bay to lose to get home field. And I knew I knew they weren't going to win. Can't can't trust Chicago at all. Uh, so that's the reason I didn't go 12 and four. So yeah, I was kind of mad about that. But it was a good week for both of us. Yeah, yeah, you guys did fantastic. Absolutely, no doubt. So great records by you and uh, even better than me. I think I only went nine and seven this week. I, I didn't have such a wonderful week, but I did enjoy watching the football. And let's get to what we saw. Let's gonna, we're going to go over the games quickly where um, they didn't have much playoff meaning, and then we're going to get into the playoff meaning game. So the first one I got on the list, guys, Bucks, Falcons. Bucks win 44-27. It was close for a while. You're thinking, no, oh, I don't know, does Tampa not care or whatever? But then they exploded like they always do in the second half lately. And that was the game right there, Nikki. I mean, the Bucs just wanted to go in hot going into the playoffs. And that's what they're going to do going up against uh, Washington later. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, they wanted to play the NFC East winner for sure. (laughs) So they had to make sure that they won that game. I'm bummed. It's not my Giants, but, you know, whatever. Well, they always say, be careful what you wish for, Damien, right? Yeah, now we'll definitely get into that with that Washington defense. But with Tampa Bay, you know, they took care of business against Atlanta. You know, Atlanta fought as hard as they could fight. You know, I'm pretty sure they were ready to get out of there, ready to get the season over with. So the Tampa Bay, you know, they've looked good so far in these last few weeks, but they haven't played the best competition. So we'll see, you know, what happens when they start playing against some of these good playoff defenses. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Uh, another meaningless game that we were hoping to be meaningful because we all did like the Broncos uh, this year, but, you know, things happen and the Raiders pull it off. They had nothing to lose by going for two at the end of the game. That's what they did. They went at 32 to 31, broke the Broncos hearts. I think it was in Denver. This game, as a matter of fact, just destroyed them right there. I felt terrible for Denver. You know, I wanted them to go out on a high over there. But did not happen, guys. So, you know, the Raiders being sneaky and tricky like Nikki, they pulled out their two-point conversion at the end. They won the game, and that's that. Yeah, for this one, I just want to give a shout-out to the fans for both teams. I was at a sports bar watching the Saints and Panthers game along with keep my eye on Rams, Cardinals, also Packers, Bears, and Titans, Texans, right? And on the other side of the bar – Fans going crazy, going nuts. I'm like, what's going on over there? Ain't nothing going to happen in any of these games I'm watching. <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's Denver and Las Vegas fans that I guess came together, may have had a bet or whatever, but they were going at it and were so hyped during the game when it was going back and forth. And just a shout out to them for being that hype for a game that didn't matter. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're true fans. And, you know, it's a rivalry game. 
well. So they still had something to play for as far as just that personal rivalry. So shout out to those fans who are still going hard in week 17 with nothing to play for. No doubt. No doubt. And and Nikki, you know, a rivalry game is a rivalry game. You're not going to stop unless you're <clears throat> Philadelphia Eagles, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, so, Nikki, yeah, the Raiders, uh, they pull it out at the end of the season. You know, no big deal, but uh, at least they get to go out on a high note. Yeah, they do. Uh, I failed it on Denver <laughs> this year. Um, but I really, I really think if the Raiders can get this defense right, um, you know, they finish what, eight and eight. I, I think they're looking at two, three more wins. So hopefully they'll get it right next season. Yeah, we shall see. We, it looks like Vic Fangio was staying on. I don't hear any talk about him going anywhere. So um, he's going to get another shot at it. And it could be the last shot unless they make the playoffs this year. We'll see. Uh, same division, Chargers, Chiefs. Uh, talked to my buddy earlier in the day, guys, and he's like, why are the Chiefs only favored four and a half points? I'm like, why do you think? He's like, well, I don't know. I, they got this, that. The, I'm like, they're not playing anybody. I'm like, what's the matter with you? I'm like, this is like the bet of the week. So I, personally, guys, I bet the Chargers. I put down some sweet money on them, and it was a, it was a blowaway, 38-21. And that's because the Chiefs didn't care. They didn't have anything to play for. And you knew the Chargers were going to play hard, and they wanted to see Justin Herbert at the end of the season. To me, this was a no-brainer. So I, I picked the Chargers in this game, and I didn't even think twice about it, Nikki. Um, yeah, I did not. I took Kansas City. <laughs> so, failed it there. But, man, Justin Herbert, he was having fun out there. 22 of 31, 302 yards, three TDs. Um, I, just, I love watching – like amazing athletic talent as a fan of the sport. So I was here for it. No doubt. Me too. Me too. Yeah. What'd you think, Damien? Did you catch any of that game? I didn't catch much of it, but definitely saw Herbert's stat line and saw how they played. I saw that the Chiefs has uh, some unfortunate injuries in this one. Um, but it was definitely a game where you, like you said, Chiefs, they just trying to get healthy and trying to make sure that they're right going into the playoffs. And for the Chargers, they wanted to go out on a high note. Both teams tried to accomplish that. So that's why the result, I, thinking about it now, I should have picked the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> and well, it is, and, and look, Andy Neat, Andy Neat, Andy Reid is notorious <laughs> for, uh, he's notorious for, you know, after a bye week coming back and winning. Now it's like a double bye week, but still, I, I look, this team has been there before, obviously, they won the Super Bowl last year. So I think they know what they're doing. I wouldn't worry about it too much. But um, where I did definitely fail this week was the Jets. Again, I'm like, the Jets, yep, they've been a little hot. The Patriots are, like, way down. There's no way they're going to win this game. Jets up 14-7 at one point. But then the Patriots storm back. They win 28-14. And it didn't matter to either one of them. But, you know, at least, you know, just kept the Jets in the two spot as far as uh, the NFL draft is coming up in, what, April or May, whenever it is, uh, D. Yeah, no, I picked the Jets as well. I was very high on them, even did the whole Jets song. Thought for sure they were going <laughs> to win this one. Uh, but <laughs> they did not. I'm um, glad to see Cam Newton, you know, get a victory in his last game. The Patriots, you know, maybe it's not his last game. We'll see. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you know, you got two teams there, and the Patriots don't want to just go out. You got a lot of pride as just that organization, so they don't want to go out losing to the Jets. Yeah, no, they did get, no, especially Bill Belichick. He did not want to do that. The team that he turned away. No, he wants to beat them on the way out, Nikki. There's no doubt about it. And uh, that Cam Newton issue is going to come up like we talked about. We're going to see if he's going to be the starting quarterback. I'm not asking you now, but uh, they did. Go, again, they went out on a high note. Uh, they beat the Jets, uh, which is, you know, again, nothing remarkable. But, um, you know, at least it feels good at the end of the season to walk out with the win. Yeah, held high. 
Yeah, I feel like we got a little bit of vintage Cam this game. So that was nice to see. Um, It's unfortunate that he probably won't be back. But I would just say this. This season was unlike any other season. Um, Some players contracted the virus. Some teams were heavily affected due to the virus. There was no preseason. The first, like, five weeks of the season was just terrible football. So I I would like to just kind of see everybody in a normal season. So that's all I will say about that. And I don't know why you guys picked the Jets. I really Ah. have no idea, but I'm glad you did. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what to learn my lesson with these guys. Jeez, thinking they're going to pull a miracle all the time. I was Come on. I, the I was Broadway hoping, jokes. Come on. Broadway, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping my Niners would pull a miracle out and uh, beat the Seahawks. And they were in there that whole game over there. But, you know, Seattle ended up winning it. You know, they had the division, so they're all good. It didn't even mean as much to them except for a playoff seeding spot. Uh, Seattle going forward, we'll talk about them and what they're going to be doing against the Rams. But, just to squeak out a three-point victory over C.J. Beathard and the 49ers doesn't impress me too much, Damian. Yeah, uh, for a long time there, it looked like, you know, San Francisco was going to win. They are up 16-6 to six in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And uh, Nikki called it, like, on point. She said it's going to be a close game. Russell Wilson's going to pull something out of his butt to win the game. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, and Nailed that's, it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened in this one. Uh, so, yeah, shouts to Nikki for calling it exactly on the head in that one. Um, but like you said, it doesn't impress you much. But with San Francisco, you know they're going to play their division rivals tough. Yes. And so that's, you know, shout out to Shanahan again. I think he should be considered, at least on the ballot, for coach of the year for the job he did with your 49ers this year. I hear it. Yeah, man. We're, we're talking about the coach of the year and, you know, all those awards and everything. I can't wait to get into it. So many different candidates and everything. But, yeah, at the end of the day, so Nikki Seattle takes care of business. And our boy, Russell Wilson, it's so weird to say he's my boy when I'm a 49ers fan. But whatever, um, they ended up winning. And, we're, again, we're going to talk about them in the playoffs a little bit later. But uh, I think going into the playoffs with a victory is certainly better than going in with a loss. Uh, yeah, of course. It's you know, a little thing to be said for momentum. But listen, we we said, and Dee and I said it last week too, the 49ers are going to play them tough. We're going to give them problems. And they did. It's just that Russell Wilson is fantastic and pulls shit out of his ass and makes things happen. Um, So yeah, why wouldn't you want to go into the playoffs with a win? Yeah, exactly right. The mo- momentum is a lot. And we'll talk about that too coming up. I had a few things in my mind. Uh, the next game before we get into the really big games is one that we spoke about a little bit in the uh, tomato and applause section. And that's the Vikings winning 37-35 over the Lions. Damien, you said it perfectly. These teams played all out, did everything um, with nothing to play for. So those are the games you love seeing. Sometimes the one that counts the least is the best game of the week, D. Yeah, no, it was a really good game. Like I said, unfortunately, it came down to a bad call, but they played their hearts out. I think the Vikings could be back next year if they're a little healthier to being a contender or at least being a team that can contend for the playoffs. And the Lions, I can't say the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, they got a long way to go, um, but they did play hard. Yeah, yeah, they did. They, they, both teams played hard, Nikki, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, I don't know. Did anyone tell these offenses like, hey, there's draft implications in this game? Like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> like, I don't know if anyone needed fantasy points at this point, but uh, hey, I guess you got them. That was a monster game. And yeah, I'm with you, D. I think there's good things on the horizon for Minnesota. 
I do too. Hey, look, that's where I failed big time. I picked Minnesota to win the division, uh, but that just did not go well, especially from the get-go. Green Bay creamed them in the first week. So, yeah, that was a bad look over there. All right, let's get to a few more games before we take the break. Um, the very first one, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, I did not want the Dolphins in the playoffs. I'm, I'm surrounded by Dolphin fans, even though they don't know what the hell they're freaking talking about half the time. They're morons down here as far as NFL is concerned. But I didn't want the Dolphins in. I wanted the teams that I picked in, and I wasn't ready for the Dolphins yet. But this whole Tua thing, um, just to get into it quick again, the Bills won 56-26. to 26. Damien, Nikki, I remember Tua in college being able to throw the ball deep and accurate. And they're not allowing him to even try that as much. He did a little bit in the Bills game, and he threw some accurate passes. A couple of them were dropped. Now, my thing is, is he doesn't need to be saved by Ryan Fitzpatrick all the time. I think Tua is a good enough quarterback. Again, just like, you know, Cam going to the Patriots. It's a brand new thing. He was shoved into this thing. Give him an offseason. I think Tua is going to be really good. I like what I see out of him. He doesn't turn the ball over. I know that this game was a debacle. He threw three interceptions, but they were down by 20, 30 points and everything. So just for me to focus on Tua for a minute, because the Bills obviously cremated them, and they're one of the best teams in the league. I don't think that this talk down here on the radio that they should be looking maybe for another quarterback. I think that's complete nonsense in my mind. I think Tua is going to be more than fine, get him a little bit more weapons, a better offensive line would certainly help. And I think he can throw the ball down the field and Flores is going to have to more, have to have more confidence in him going forward. Damien. Yeah, I agree with you. You have to give him a full year to really evaluate him and also give him that freedom on offense. And part of it has to be him as well. Like you could play, you can call safe play calls, but also the quarterback has to go out there. If he sees something, call the audible. Right. See that you have a wide open guy on the right that can go deep with no help over the top. Call that audible. Chuck it down the field. Like you said, at Alabama, that's the first member we have of him is coming in the game for Jalen Hurts. And instead of, you know, it being Nate Sudfield losing, it was him <laughs> coming in and winning the game in the national championship game, throwing the ball down the field. Right. And at that moment, we knew he was a pro type quarterback. So we need to see that more from him. Uh, we need to see his mobility. We saw a little piece of it in the Arizona game earlier this year. Yep. But outside of that, we have not seen him run around. That was a big part of his, his greatness at Alabama. And if he doesn't have that in the pros, it's going to be tough because he is undersized. So if you're not able to move around, you see even sometimes with the great Russell Wilson, if he's not able to move around, he's stuck in a pocket, it's hard for him to see. So if you're not able to see downfield, that's another reason that it could be hard to throw downfield. You're not able to see. So I think that he'll be good going forward, but we definitely need more time to evaluate if he's going to be good. You definitely can't say he's a bust yet. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. And uh, we're going to come back and get more of uh, this Tua and more NFL talks. So you guys, again, listen to the third and three podcast. we got more games to go through. And Seems kind of high, no walking from the dark, no small, and mama could have wrecked 
us with no home. I got my grub on, but didn't dig out. Probably got a call from a girl I want to dig out. All right, all right. You guys are back on the third and three podcast, kicking your ass as we always do. We're going through our NFL ranting recap. We got Damien, the real deals in the house, tricky Nicky Gist over here. Third and three team coming right back at you. Here we go, ready to roll, picking up where we left off. Real quick, Nicky, I wanted to go to you before we went to the next game with this dolphin idea with Tua and people around here saying, oh, maybe we should look for another quarterback because it's Trevor Lawrence, there's Zach Wilson from BYU, you got Justin Fields, so a bunch of good quarterbacks coming out. But to me, again, and Damien says the same thing, stick with Tua, give him an offseason, and I think he's good to go. Give the kid a whole actual season. I, I don't understand, like, I know that maybe, and listen, I'm not a professional scout, like, what do I know? I, I guess you could tell somewhat quickly if somebody's going to work or not. I think he's, I think he can work. Stop trying to save the day with Ryan Fitzpatrick, because how do you learn, right? Like, that's life. Like, how do you get good in your profession if somebody's always bailing you out? Like, you have to fail um, in order to be better. So, you know, I just, I don't like this. This was your decision. Stick with it. Roll in the highs. You got to roll with the lows and let the kid learn i mean it's ridiculous yeah and you know they would have put ryan fitzpatrick of in the course second quarter maybe even or something <laughs> like, like that, to say to this season yeah yeah i hear you you know listen i mean they would love to have gotten into the playoffs i'm not saying that ryan fitzpatrick would have saved the day at all by any means because i mean you put up 56 points <laughs> on a defense that's supposed to be dominant you know matt barkley is putting up points on you so you know give me a break but uh, all right, that's that game. Hey, the Bills are solidified in the two spot. We're going to be going over the playoffs soon and who they're going to be playing. These next two teams are in the playoffs. Steelers already had it locked in, won the division. Browns needed the game. They had to win or a couple other teams losing. But you know what? They got the job done, but in very scary fashion, Damian. Look, man, the Steelers, Mason Rudolph threw for over 300 yards. They're going down the field with, you know, just – a minute to go, seconds to go. They scored the touchdown, and oh my God, everybody in Cleveland must have held their collective breath at the same time as they go for the two-point conversion. For thankfully for Cleveland Browns fans, they didn't get it. Game over. But could you imagine what those Browns fans must have been thinking at that point? Yeah, definitely. You got to be thinking, oh my God, is this going to happen to us again? <laughs> are we going? Are we going to miss the playoffs while playing a JV team? For the Are Steelers, we let Jason down. Are we gonna let him down. <laughs> <laughs> that had to be the number one thing in their mind. Like had we cannot be. let Jason Fairman down because he's the sport prophet. You know, <laughs> but we can't let him down. Uh, but yeah, if, if I'm a Browns fan, I definitely was worried. And also, at the end of it, you're probably getting the playoffs, but you're a little concerned. Like that was a JV team that mm -hmm. we played against, and we won by two points. And it was never easy. There was never a point in the game where you're like, okay, the Browns got this. There was never a point in the game where it was like, okay, we're ahead now. It's good. We can relax. There should have been a point in the game where they can do that, and they never could, which kind of speaks to more of, I guess, the culture of the Steelers and their coaching staff and how even though they knew they weren't going to play their starters, those guys came in ready to play, ready to prove something. So I think that it speaks to a lot of that as well. But if I'm a Browns fan, on top of all the stuff that's going on right now with COVID with them, I would be concerned. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm very concerned for them going into it and we're going to talk about it. But um, yeah, they did pull out the win and just again, such in such scary fashion. I mean, sometimes it does go to show you, Nikki, that the players who are the second string players and it's the last week of the season and they're fighting for their job and they're fighting to make sure they get invited back to camp next year. You know, that, that other than Mike Tomlin's coaching, that's why you saw the defense play so hard. Yeah, exactly. Tell that to Doug Peterson. These are people's <laughs> jobs and their livelihood, and they want to make sure, listen, if they are on the cusp, then this is an audition for them. So you can't ask people to go out and tank. So that's number one. Two, yes, I am concerned. I would be concerned if I was a Cleveland fan. Um, I thought Baker Mayfield saw a ton of pressure, and I was a little surprised because that O-line is pretty good, and these were the Steelers' backups. So I think we're in for some something a little bit different this weekend. Yep, amazing. Third time they'll be playing this year. Can't wait to see that one. Uh, this is the next game. Again, division game, total debacle, Ravens are on fire right now. They're running the ball all over the place. Lamar Jackson looks comfortable. Again, it was against the Bengals, no big deal, but 38 to three, I don't care. You're playing another professional team, Damian. So at the end of the day, Baltimore is maybe that team in the AFC that you really don't want to play right now. Yeah, no, they look really good. Now, again, they're in the same boat as Tampa Bay. It looked really great, but they haven't played the best competition of late. So is it just smoke and mirrors or is this really them? Right. And uh, with Cincinnati, you know, it was time for them to go home. We get it. <laughs> so the result didn't really surprise me at all. But Baltimore, they look good. But now it's time to prove it in the playoffs. That's right. That's right. Now Lamar Jackson's got to win one in the playoffs, Nikki. That's what it's all about. If he went, if he goes one and done this year, I'm not saying they're going to get rid of him or anything, but they're going to start taking closer looks and possibly even drafting a quarterback in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round this year. He's got to get it done. Yes, he has to get it done. Uh, but he also needs, uh, like I said, I, I still think he needs like that giant receiver, his go-to guy and go up, grab any of it. Um, so yeah, I think he, they, he needs a little bit of help on offense. I'm not going to place it all on him because he seemed to have turned it on, but uh, I guess I am officially on the Ravens bandwagon now. So go Ravens. All right, there it is. Go Ravens. Rock and roll, rock and roll. <laughs> I know. Hey, you have to be. That's the way it goes. You got to stay with the <laughs> I mean, there's still contention over the Super Bowl, but I guess I'll, you know, <laughs> sit on the other side of the living room. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, next up, sticking in the AFC, the Colts found out that they had a chance to get in the playoffs and they took advantage of it, but it didn't look good for a while. I mean, Jacksonville was sticking in there. The Colts had a, lot, had a hard time scoring, but they finally did it at the end of the game. And Jonathan Taylor, Nikki, has emerged as the running back over there. And with that defense, looks like they can do some damage. But they only beat the Colts 28-14. A win's a win again. It doesn't make a difference. But I expected maybe a little bit more out of them. Um. Yeah. So here's my knock on Indy. And yes, Jonathan Taylor, amazing. He rushed for 253 yards, two TDs, hell of a day for him. But again, here we go, right? It's 20 to nothing. And here goes Indy blowing the lead. I just, I've seen this so many times and especially from Philip Rivers that that is something that concerns me. Yeah. 
Yeah, it would concern me too, D. I mean, I, I totally get it, especially with their matchup coming up this weekend we'll talk about. But um, the Colts, who, again, we went head-to-head -head with the division. We're going to get into the Titan game next. So you won that. You picked the Titans. I'm glad at least the Colts did get in so I can save some face over there. But, um, yeah, they did what they had to do, again, against a team that <laughs> – won one game this whole year but bottom line is they won they're in and I don't know how far they'll go but um they they do have the pieces to make things happen yeah no the Colts definitely have pieces they're not a team that you can just wash away and say oh it's gonna be an easy playoff victory it's not gonna be an easy victory for anybody against the Colts but like Nikki said you're playing Jacksonville you get up 20 to nothing I know Miami at that point is like okay we're done and then you look up, it's 20 to 14, and Jacksonville has the ball mm -hmm. more than once. You're right. right. So Jacksonville had a chance, a real chance to come back in this game and really make it interesting there in the AFC. Um, and if you're the Colts, why does that happen? Right. It's not like basketball where you're like, basketball is a game of runs, and you expect this to happen. Football, you don't expect a bad team to come back from 20 nothing against a good team. Yeah. Right. And it's not it's not supposed to happen. So the Colts, I definitely think, should be worried about that. But against Buffalo, if they have any type of just last days go play or they get lethargic at any point, they can find themselves down 20 to zero. And Buffalo's not gonna let you get back in the game. Oh no, definitely not. Good definitely point. not. <laughs> we'll absolutely get into that. There's no question. So uh going to the next one, like I said, with uh <clears throat> excuse me, with the Titans and the Texans, Nikki. The Titans ended up winning 41-38 on an unbelievable throw from Tannehill to A.J. Brown at the end of the game where there were 18 seconds left. They kick a field goal. They win after Houston went all the way down the field from the 10-yard line to Sean Watson, led him to a field goal. I was getting had because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get it on D this week. This is great. Indianapolis is going to win the division. But, nope, Tennessee pulled it out somehow. But they keep giving up so many points, Nikki. That's got to be a big-time worry. Yeah, of course, it's a big time worry. But as I normally do, I take my Houston opportunities because I failed here and said that they would win this division and they did not. So I will use my short amount of time to shout out Deshaun Watson. I don't know if you guys saw it, but J.J. Watt uh, apologized to him for wasting one of his years. And you should apologize because he ended his year 4,823 passing yards. 33 TDs, seven interceptions, 70.2% completion, and a quarterback rating of 112.4. And the Texans record is four and 12. That it's, it, it's amazing. That just doesn't even compute. I don't know how that even happens. And it's certainly not his fault. Obviously the defense was horrific this year, Damien, for the Texans. And, and that's what did it to him. But Sean Watson still through all that and all that pressure, like Russell Wilson was going through only through seven interceptions this year. He is so freaking good. People don't appreciate him enough. Yeah, no, he's great. He's great. That was a wonderful video of, you know, Deshaun Watson coming up to JJ Watt and then JJ Watt apologizing Two great leaders right there um, that they have. And it's too bad that JJ Watts, you know, on the back end of his career, and probably won't be there for the turnaround eventually that the Texans will make with Deshaun Watson. Uh, but yeah, great game. Horrible play call. How do you not have help over the top of oh, A.J. Brown no. on, <laughs> on that play? They have one option. You, If we don't get the deep pass down the field, we're going to overtime. Yeah. The only option they have. Pretty much. Pretty so much. I'm, I'm playing, if not prevent, you're at least playing cover two, cover three, to where you have help over the top for sure. 
Right. And you're a bullet with AJ Brown. Like we're helping over the top of everybody, but we're helping extra on AJ Brown. And no, it's AJ Brown one on one with some poor cornerback. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, you got to come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, you got to do better than that with that play call. But again, I do respect how the Texans played in that game. But yeah, it, it did kind of, you know, reminiscent of what the Jets did with their zero blitz. I know it wasn't a zero blitz, but my God, you have to have a safety back there. And you're right, play cover two or cover three. You got to make sure. So they totally goofed that one up and unbelievable. And Titans, I feel like, are just one of those lucky teams this year. Not a Super Bowl lucky team, but they've had, they've pulled a couple of things out of you know where. And uh, it's a team that just seems to keep doing it is your team, Damien, the Saints, 33 to seven. It was never a game against the Panthers. You know, they wanted to obviously solidify the number two at, you know, at the very least and everything had something to play for. And they just went out and they did their thing. This is a team and we're going to get more into it in the playoffs. But between their defense and between the cerebralness and the head coaching between Breeze and Sean Payton and having these guys out there, the only thing I worry about is if, you know, Kamara is going to play. We'll talk more about that. I'm sure you got more inside info than I do. But. Uh, yeah, Damien, your Saints just, you know, they're marching right into the playoffs like it's nobody's business. Yeah, we look really good against the Panthers. Our defense looked great for us five turnovers. Uh, they were all over the place, even with some backups out there. So that was really good to see. Offensively, it was really good to see Drew Brees clicking in that way. Uh, we didn't have Kamara. We didn't have Latavius Murray. Uh, we had Ty Montgomery as our starting running back. And with Taysom Hill pretty much being the change of pace guy running back. And we were still able to run the ball. Ty Montgomery had over 100 yards. So everything looked really good in that game. So you can't really complain at all. Drew Brees' throws looked a lot better. If you compare his throws this week versus, you know, Kansas City week when he first came back, it's night and day. So I'm glad to see that going into the playoffs. And, you know, can't really say anything bad about our team, man. We looked really good in a situation where we had to come over some, had to get over some adversity with our running backs being out. But we were able to do it in an easy way. Yep, it really, it is amazing with, with two of your best players being out, another one being Michael Thomas, who looks like he's coming back for the playoffs. So that's a huge lift right there, especially if Kamara can't get back. But if they both get back, um, yeah, I'm sure they'll take care of the Bears. We'll get to that a little bit later. But, Nikki, your thoughts, you still feeling very confident with the Saints? I am. They were my Super Bowl pick along with the Ravens, I think. Yes, I think that's yep. what I took. Uh, so, yes, I feel good. Uh Damn, I want to root for the Saints and the Ravens. I just played myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love, that'd be amazing. If you guys would definitely take over the profit, uh, you know, uh, title away from me. No doubt if that's exactly what happens. And it is certainly possible with the way these two teams are playing. Uh, two teams that fought it out yesterday, Nikki, the Giants and the Cab. Well, not yesterday, a couple of days ago at this point. But 23-19, we did talk about some of the play calls and uh, not challenging that right, you know, that right there, which could have made a world of difference in the game. But ultimately, it wouldn't have mattered, as we know. But the Giants went out there, did what they had to do. Where I failed it, I said Daniel Jones would be a top five fantasy quarterback this year. And I, I don't know, maybe if he wasn't hurt so much, then maybe I would have had a shot at it. But how comfortable are you with him going into the future? Because forget about the season. It's over. We're going to talk more about the season when we get to that game. So we're going to let you get everything out at that point. But just as, as far as the game they won, they played as tough as they could. Joe Judge is their guy. Do you like what you see going forward? I do. I think, yes. I think Joe Judge is the guy. He's turned this, uh, definitely turn it around culture-wise. Um 
defense is balling. I, I like what I'm seeing. Daniel Jones, I, I, for me, jury's still out. It, it seems like he's got it, but like, it's just not enough of it. Um, but I want to see another year, a full year, a healthy year. I don't like the way they managed uh, his injury. I do blame um, a little bit on the team. I think just should have let Colt McCoy play those two games and then see what we got. Um, but I really blame this season on Evan Ingram because I, I'm sick of this kid. Like he doesn't play up to his potential. It's been three years. What else do you need to see? You know, we would have won the division had you caught that friggin' pass that you drop all the time against the Eagles. So I blame it on him and the fact that there's no offensive line for like the eighth year in a row. So I don't know when that's going to get addressed. But you know what? We beat the Cowboys. We saved the NFL world from the the insane Cowboys fans who think they were going to win a Super Bowl. So you're welcome. <laughs> I love it. That's why it's the ranting recap, guys, and she does it better than anybody else. Excellent job. Excellent. Yep. At least they, hey, they pulled out the win there, Damien. So Giants beat the Cowboys. Who's going to be better next year? And is, well, I guess that assuming is Dak coming back. Yeah, if Dak comes back, I do have to go to Cowboys to be better. But, man, watching this game, the Giants probably should have won by 40. Uh, <laughs> like the first half, I didn't know if Andy Dalton was the Cowboys quarterback or the Giants quarterback because he kept <laughs> he kept hitting Giants players in the hands and they kept dropping it. Um, it was so many interceptions that should have happened in the first half from Andy Dalton. Uh, the yeah, it shouldn't have been close. It shouldn't have been close at all. But the Giants, like I said, I do feel bad for Giants fans. What happened in Philadelphia, which we'll get to in a little bit, but. It was a good win by the Giants. I think the Giants will be better going into next year. But the Cowboys with Dak, you got to remember how well Dak was playing before he got hurt. If he's yeah. back to that level, a top 10 QB, that changes things. Yeah, well, I hope the 49ers steal him. That would be awesome. Uh, be awesome. <laughs> As for the Cowboys and the Giants, unfortunately, the season is over for them, and we know who's moving on, and we're going to get to that in a couple more games over here. This one quickly with the Rams and the Cardinals. Just what a debacle of a game. This guy gets his first start for the Rams, the Wolf, Joe Wolford. I don't even still freaking know his name. And, uh, you know, Kyler Murray was in there, and he ends up getting hurt early. Uh, there's an ugly score that the Rams win 18-7. to So the Rams are in. The Cardinals are out. They control their own destiny. But, you know, the shit hit the fan from there, Damian, and the Rams get in, and they're playing Seattle this weekend. Yeah, and for me, it I'm not a big Kingsbury guy. I, I said it the last few weeks. <laughs> yes, uh, you have <laughs> been on that. Yes, you are not a fan. <laughs> he, he Some of his decisions. So when Murray comes back in the game, like he's obviously compromised legs-wise, right? And he's running like speed option plays. What are you doing? He, obviously he can't run right now or he shouldn't be running and he's coming when Murray came back in the game immediately you saw a jolt happen to the Cardinals they're getting down the field he's throwing dimes they're getting down the field it's like okay it might make this a game especially with the Rams offense not struggling but just not being able to punch it into the end zone so it's like okay the Cardinals have a chance there and then next thing you know it's third and 15 they want to run a speed option third and 15 speed option what do you like <laughs> i just didn't understand it because at this point the saints already had their game in hand so i'm watching pretty much just watching cardinals rams and i just was just confused by what was going on on the offensive side what kingsbury was doing um as far as the rams i do like wolford i think he has some moxie about him i like his mobility um i told i said last week i got to interview him 
Um, that was last year or the year before last when he played for the Arizona Hotshots and the AAF. I got to cover right. them, you know, before the league shut down. And really cool dude. He played really well for the Hot Shots, and I like the way he plays. Um, doesn't have the biggest arm, but like I said, his mobility really makes him good. And honestly, I know this might sound blasphemous, but he may be a better fit for them against Seattle than Jared Goff. Whoa. Oh. Start in the playoffs. How about that? All right. Being able to hand it. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, look, they're praying, obviously, that Goff is going to be able to get on the field for that game. That's exactly what they want. But um, time will tell, man. I mean, having surgery, what, eight, nine days ago or something like that and going out to play a football game on the weekend, that's going to be really, really tough right there, Nikki. Um, yeah, it is. But uh, listen, I'm not the biggest Jared Goff fan. I'm really not. I just – I. I, I don't know. I really don't trust the guy. Like, I – it's just kind of blase and I just, I don't know what it is about him. I've said it in the summer, like he's a definition of buyer's remorse for me. So, you know what, Damien, <laughs> I know nothing about this quarterback, but you do. So, Hey, if he's a better fit, I'm all for it. I want to see it. I mean, if he, if they beat the Seahawks, what do you think that says to the Ram? Do they stay? If Jared Goff is ready to go for the next week, what do you do? That's a very tough decision, right? Yeah. Because you're you're playing or you're paying, excuse me, Jared Goff, you know, big time starter money. So at this point, you're going to say, if Jared Goff comes to you and says, I'm ready to go and practice, he looks like he's gripping the ball correctly. He's throwing the ball right. I think you have to go with Jared Goff because uh, he's the, supposed to be the franchise, right? But for me, if I was a coach, I'd be like, hey, your thumb still looks swollen. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, you know, I would come up with some other excuse to keep Wolford in there if Wolford's playing well. But you know, we'll definitely see. But for me, Wolford definitely shows some things. I think you give him another week in that offense, some more time to really get ready and have Cooper Cup. He didn't have Cooper Cup in this game, nice. so to have Cooper Cup have a full offense, I think that he could really do well. Mm, I like oh, it. Wow! Look at this, Jared Goff. Hey. You stick it up with that. <laughs> All of a sudden, well, what's going on over here? Ah, very interesting. Okay, okay. We'll see about that. All right, I like it. I like it. All right, next game before we get to the last game, which is going to take up some conversation. So Packers played the Bears. The Bears thought that they had to win, but it turned out they didn't. So they backed on to the playoffs. Pack win 35-16. And, guys, I just want to say this, basically. At to me, Aaron Rodgers solidified the MVP maybe a week or two ago, but this game he definitely did. Not that Patrick Mahomes hasn't put up amazing numbers or Josh Allen or even Derrick Henry, who ran for over 2,000 yards, only the eighth time in history. I wouldn't have a problem necessarily if they gave it to him for that because, you know, of the rarity of it. But Aaron Rodgers is the hottest quarterback in football, maybe even over Josh Allen right now. He's just perfection and I can't wait to see him play in the playoffs. And I'm kind of rooting for him in a way to, to go all the way. It's got to go through Lambeau, so it's going to be tough. And we're going to talk about all this stuff. But Aaron Rodgers, man, MVP this year to me, Nikki. Um, yeah, um, he is just so damn good. And he has been for such a long time. I feel like he gets overlooked a lot. I know we did our MVP list. Jay, you might have had him on there. I didn't. Like, I it's just kind of like, okay, Aaron Rodgers is just kind of like a staple, but I feel like he gets overlooked and he's just quietly doing his thing. Like you guys, he didn't fire off one incompletion 
during the first half. He was 10 for 10, 155 yards, and three TDs heading into halftime. Right. And then remember that Marcus Scandal, uh, Scandal Vandling play? I can't pronounce yes. his last name. Right in the breadbasket, yep. and he dropped it, which would have, could have been a touchdown right there also. Amazing. And when you look at Aaron Rodgers, Damian, he is smiling throughout the entire game. It's like he could do no wrong. He knows that he's the best, and he's in charge, and they're going to win the game. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, he's definitely in complete control out there. And I was listening to the Pat McAfee show today, and Aaron Rodgers does an appearance on that show every Tuesday. And he was on there just talking about the game. And he was like, one of the things that, you know, it sucks, but it's also an advantage to quarterbacks this year is that there's no crowd noise. So when you go on the road, he said you could literally hear defensive players talking. And if they're confused about something, you could take advantage. So he was talking about one play where he saw one of the defensive ends talking to a linebacker for the Bears, and they were trying to get the alignment straight. So he waited to see exactly where the defensive end would line up because he knew that they were going to go pressure from that side. Hmm. And just to hear him break it down in that way to where he's like, okay, I waited, snapped it at one, knew exactly where the pressure was coming from, and that's how he got the touchdown that was complete to MVS, where he had MVS on the linebacker, which I don't know what the Bears were doing with that. Why would you do that? <laughs> but, but MVS was on the linebacker. He went straight down the field for the touchdown. And you can see that he's in incomplete control, and that explanation of how he just broke it down that way shows that. Um, but for the Bears, man, so disappointing. Being a Saints fan, rooting for the Bears in this game, it's they were in the game. Like, this, the final score – Lest you think that it was a blowout, but fourth quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, they were only down 21 to 16. Right. And right. went for it on fourth and one and missed it when they could have kicked a field goal or they could have done a better play. So they were right there in the game and could have won. There was even Aaron Rodgers, great Aaron Rodgers did throw a bad pass that went right through a cornerback's hands. Yep. So they had some opportunities there for the Bears to win this game and things would be a lot different there. But Aaron Rodgers is definitely the MVP, well-deserved this year. Yeah, man, I, I think so. I think so, man. He's very well-deserved. And <clears throat> who knows, maybe even a Super Bowl trophy and MVP to add to his case because that's what it's all about, the hardware, even though the eye test tells you he's like the best ever. We'll see. All right, now let's get into the game that is basically like – Let's get into this over here. Okay, so Washington football team, the WFT. I keep saying WTF with them. I can't stop. They end up winning the game 2014. We all know what happened. I'd like to give you guys my opinion first, and I want to hear what you have to say, and I'll try to make it as brief as possible. They play in the game. Jalen Hurts is in. It's a close game. It's 17-14. They can certainly win it. Um, you know that the players are playing hard. A guy like Jason Kelsey, the center, they want to win this game. They didn't have other players in like Darius, uh, no, not Darius Slay. Um, Fletcher Cox wasn't there, a couple other guys. So, And I do understand that it was communicated that Nate Sudfeld would be coming in at some point in this game. But did you really want to bring him in then? That's the thing. Don't you want to see what Jalen Hurts has? I understand all that. And playing to win the game is basically what you do in football. Like Herman Edwards said, you want to win every game no matter what. Clearly, Doug Peterson didn't care about the game. That's number one. But here's the other part of it that people aren't talking about, and I've heard a little bit here and there, and it's what I thought right after the game, after I had to take it all in, guys. 
what the hell do the Eagles owe Washington, the New York Giants, or the Dallas Cowboys? They don't owe them jack squat. So what the hell do they care when they know their season's over if they want to experiment, which I think was disgusting, by the way. It, it, it drove me crazy. I hated seeing it because I wanted to see what would happen. I knew that Nate Sudfeld was going to be garbage, and we all saw what happened, fumbling his snap and everything and this and that. But the bottom line is, is that Philadelphia, Nikki, they don't owe any team anything. So I don't have a problem with what they did, especially that it seemed to be communicated the right way, even though I know Miles Sanders had a problem with it and Jalen Hurts was a little bit confused, but it was clear that Sudfeld was going to go in. And again, the underlying thing about all this is that they don't owe any team anything even though it's extremely disappointing to not see them put their best foot forward to win a game. So do you understand where I'm coming with that? Or I know you're still pissed off as all hell, but from a logical point of view, Nikki, do you see that side of it? Um, I, I see that side of it. I absolutely do. They don't owe anybody a damn thing. I get that. But um, it's the way that they went about it. And yeah. I think that's the issue that everybody has that really, you know what, you can communicate that, uh, but you don't do it in the spot that you did it, okay? And that you guys want to talk about, oh, if we were in the playoffs and we had a bad call and that would ruin the impact of the game. This game did have playoff impact, so why is that okay? Um, you know what, I don't, I don't give a damn if Doug Peterson doesn't give a damn. You don't do that, okay? You do not ask these people to come out here and not give it their all. You don't ruin the integrity of the sport. And listen, if tanking at the end like that is okay, then the league has a big problem. That makes a lot of sense, yes, because as far as the integrity of the league is concerned, Damian, it was disgusting. Yeah, it definitely was disgusting. And they don't owe a particular team anything, but they do owe the game the right to see what happens. They owe it to the fans to see what happens. Now, if they were, say, at the number two spot and they lose this game, they go to number one. I get it. Mm -hmm. You can get somebody who you think is a change, a generational changing star, right? but you're going from number nine to number six, right? So you may get a better wide receiver or with their draft history, they may get the worst one. <laughs> I hope they do. So going from nine to six is really the reason that you, <laughs> that you threw away the game. That doesn't make any sense. And also why is it that you're saying you're going to get Sudfield some play? <laughs> Ryan Clark had the line of the week. He said, was it his senior day? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want his parents to see him out there with some roses so he can get some playing time? He's been here four years. He deserved to play. That's what you hear in high school, <laughs> maybe in college. Oh, he's been here all four years. Let's give him some time on the field. Yeah, what the hell is that? What, like, what <laughs> was that? Oh, I need to evaluate him. What do you need to evaluate? Yeah, he's been there four years. You know what he is now. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you like him, you like him as a backup. That's fine. <laughs> but you know, Jalen Hurst is the one that you want to evaluate as a starter. What's a better situation than going against a team who needs to win mm -hmm. to get into the playoffs and is trying their hardest and you have a chance to knock them out? Can Jalen Hurst handle this pressure? Can he get a passing touchdown? Yeah. Like it's something that could have been great for him as far as evaluation. 
but you just throw it all down the drain because you want to celebrate Sudfield on his senior day? Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a terrible look. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, Jalen Hurts was not having a good game as far as passing the ball. The two touchdowns they got was uh, through his legs. Um, so, you know, I, look, evaluating Sudfeld to me is a whole bunch of BS. Like you said, it, it really was a senior day moment as far as I'm concerned. Let him get on the field. It's the last game. Nobody cares. Philly does not care. They just, you know, want to let some of their players play. And that, again, goes to my point where they don't care. They don't know anybody anything. They were trying to win with the players they had out there. But, again, not all of their best players were out there. Carson Wentz wasn't even dressed for this. So I think that goes to show you that he's out of there. And, Nikki, again, you were way on top of this thing. Everybody's trying to take credit for it. You <laughs> said it two months ago that Carson Wentz was going to be on the Colts, and that's exactly where he's going. I think it's a done deal already as far as I'm concerned. So, Nikki Gist hear it now she was the first to say it i never heard it from anybody and then all of a sudden two weeks later people are talking about it so you know where that came from nailed it (laughs) yeah you nailed it you really did nail it that was awesome right at least give the show credit you could take our ideas but just like give us a shout out credit the show that's all hey i was listening to this podcast called third and three podcast and this this girl nikki was on she said what a great idea why can't you do that no big deal a little love (laughs) I remember I got on the Mike Francesa show back in New York. You know who he is, Nikki. Oh, I was yeah. Well, hard. Yeah. So I get on the phone. And I'm like, you know, I was talking about this on my show the other day. He goes, what do you, what do you mean? What, what do you mean your show? I'm like, oh, well, I have, a, you know, a show on the Internet. You know, it's a live show and people call in. He goes, oh, really? He goes, well, why, why don't you tell everybody what the name of it is? I'm like, really? Holy shit. <laughs> so I did. And I'm not kidding. The, 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 like that week or the week after my listeners like tripled. It was sick. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It was an amazing thing. So the power of the real public radio, get it out there. There it is. But uh, yeah, as far as the Eagles, it would have been wonderful if they would have won. I was cheering them on. So was Damien. We text late at night. Let's go Giants, you know, let's, let's go Eagles, you know, fly Eagles fly and everything. The first time Giants are rooting for them. And, you know, I was Jaylen disgusted Hurts. with myself. Disgusted. It, it is. It's, it's a disgusting thing. It, it, to have it, to root for your, your arch rival. Like I just, oh God, it sucked. It really sucked. Gosh, I know. I know. Hey, look, it is what it is. It happened. It's over. And again, Damien, if the Giants or the Cowboys or the Eagles, you know, we're going to get in, you got to win more games earlier in the year. So you can't fault anybody. Well, no, definitely. You definitely have to win more than six games, right? If you put yourself in a bad situation. But the situation was what it was. And at that point, like I said, if they're going for the number one overall pick, I get it. I get it. But you're going from number nine to number six. So, and again, Jalen Hurts is a guy who you're considering to be a QB of the future. You want right. to evaluate him in that situation. Sudfield going to be a career backup. We know what it is already. He must be a really nice guy. We've seen people <laughs> last in the league for a long time for being nice guys who can come in and, you know, just spill your team over for a little bit, but you don't want them out there for a full game. So nice. Sudfield must be a really good guy. Coach likes him. <laughs> Wanted to give him some snaps on his senior day. But besides cool. that, there was no reason to put stuff out there. You got to now, if you lose with Jalen Hurts out there, it happens. No one's mad, but you to take him out. And also the call on when you're down 17, 14 to go for it on fourth and five. <laughs> yep. Come on, man. I'm just, <laughs> you just got to like, take the points. If you're truly trying to win, you take the points there. Cause 
you can say, oh, we're being aggressive. No, you're being stupid. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> take the points and see what happens from there. Because Washington's offense definitely was not playing well. Mm-hmm. I know that Alex Smith, the story is great, but he was horrible in that game. Yeah. So you have you have a real chance of winning there. The thing about everything is, is that the players want to win and they felt that the coach robbed them of an opportunity of that. And there's nothing worse. And I wouldn't be surprised if Doug Peterson got fired, because if you're going to keep at least half of this team and they know what happened and they don't like what happened. And if they can't, you know, be grownups about it or whatever you want to call it, or, you know, if there's friction with Doug Peterson, I would not be shocked if he was fired. I don't think it's going to happen necessarily. He's brought into the playoffs every year except for this year. Um, but the whole Carson Wentz thing you throw in there, I don't know. But you know, Damien, that locker room dynamic is tremendous. And Nikki, I'm sure that you can understand, you know, look, you've been cheerleading. It's still locker room. It's getting together and making a plan and being on the same team. So if the head coaches are not on the same team as the guys wearing the uniforms on his hat, and we got a major problem. We're going to definitely talk more about this coming up. We got Mount Play a Player coming up, our four favorite wild card games of all time. We're going to get into that. We got knowledge with Nikki after and a whole lot more playoff picture all laid out for you. We're coming back in 30 seconds, the third and three podcast. Yeah, you know how we're doing it. We're going through the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I is today. That was in excess. We got Iggy, we got Ice Cube, and we got more to come. Letter I. Tough one right there. Not like H, where you guys had a blast last week playing them songs, man. (laughs) Yeah, H definitely had a a lot of good songs. We had a pretty good playlist last week with H, but I have been pretty good so far. I think we got some good songs for it. Yeah, so far, so good. We do our best. That's what we do. That's what we do. All right, third and three podcast. We are back. You guys are loving it. We're loving doing it for you. Mount player, player time. We're about to get this bad boy rolling. And again, we're doing our four favorite wild card games of all time. And that could be anything meaning to us, what we saw on the field, yada, yada, yada. It could be whatever we want. I wrote a couple down in case we do some of the same, but... um. Yeah, when we discussed that, like, all right, let's pick our four favorite wild card games. And man, I just had like jolts in my head going a lot of flashbacks. So let's get this bad boy rolling. Nikki, would you like to start us off with your number four? Sure, I will start us off. And just so we could tease our listening audience, I hope when we get to K, somebody picks Kanye. If not, I will, because I have a Kim Kardashian and Kanye West story and picture proof to go along with it. Well, it's oh. you. I think I'm going to go with KRS one and bring it back. <laughs> but yeah, so I will. So I thought about this in terms of like crazy games, like just wild, crazy games that I kind of remember off the top of my head. So 2015 Seahawks Vikings scores 10 to nine, right? Like you would think a 10 to nine game would be a snooze fest, but no, not this game. Like, 
first of all, it was the third coldest game in history. Okay, this game also gave us the fake punt slash broken nose, John Ryan. Okay, Baldwin's crazy one-handed catch, a miracle comeback brought to you by our miracle player, your boy, our boy, Russell Wilson, turned a god-awful snap into a monster playing catch by who else? Tyler Lockett, and of course, the chip shot heard around the world, Blair Walsh. It was 27 yards, and it not even was it just not good. It wasn't even freaking close. So I remember that game. I remember how crazy it was. So that was my criteria for my top four. That's well done. I mean, not many people would think and pick that game out right there. I, I didn't even think of it, but I remember the game, Damien, and it definitely was a good one. I know exactly what she's talking about. Yeah, I definitely remember that game. I remember looking at that game saying, who would be out there cheering in this weather? <laughs> like, who, who would do that to themselves? Um, but, yeah, no, it was a crazy game to watch. And that kick, like you said, I haven't seen someone miss a kick that badly. Like, that was, man, like, as soon as it came off his foot, there was no chance. It wasn't even like a... You know the moment in, like when Carlton Banks took the ball from Will and threw it at the rim. <laughs> like it was like that when they finally showed the angle where you see the ball no nowhere near the rim. That's how this kick was in comparison to the field goal post. That's a good pick right there. I like it. Very good, Nikki. Well done. Well done. Had to. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that one up at the top, but that was an excellent one. All right, all right, Damon. What do you got? Your number four, D. So my number four is a personal one to me. New Orleans Saints versus the St. Louis Rams 2000 wildcard game. You got to think about the history of the Saints going into this game. So the Saints have been around for 33 years, no playoff victories, right? Mm. So we had all these horrible years. You had the Archie Manning years where you had this great talent, but you never put any talent around them. You had the Dome Patrol years where you had this awesome defense, maybe the greatest linebacking core of all time, but never gave them an offense. So you would make it to the playoffs, then lose. Then you had the Mike Dicker era where the biggest memory is them being on the cover of Sports Illustrated with him and Ricky Williams in a wedding dress. (laughs) (laughs) And then you finally get to this period with Jim Hazlitt and Aaron Brooks, where you have a team that looks really good, had a good defense, won the NFC. I want to say it was West back then, uh, won a division, and we're playing against the greatest show on turf, the St. Louis Rams, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Torrey Holt, Isaac Keem, Isaac Bruce, all these guys. And going into this game, our D- we played the Rams twice in the regular season in the same division back then. And both were really good games. We're expecting a good game. We go up early. And, of course, the Rams make this incredible comeback in the fourth quarter. They have a chance to get a possession to win the game. We punt it to them. Oz Hakeem muffs the punt. We recover it to win the game, 31-28. Uh, Kurt Warner went crazy in the second half. On um, total, he had 365 yards passing. Three touchdowns, but also had three interceptions. Uh, Marshall Falk had almost 100 yards receiving, but we shut him down in the run game. Isaac Bruce had 127 yards receiving that game. Um, Aaron Brooks threw for four touchdowns. We thought Aaron Brooks was going to be the next coming after this game, it did not turn out that way, but we thought <laughs> we definitely thought this guy was going to be the next guy. First playoff victory in Saints history was not Drew Brees. It was Aaron Brooks 
who led us to that victory. I never forget that game. So that's my number four. Yeah, man, that definitely sounded personal. To you know that about it. It sounds like you remember every play from the game. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. <a> detail. <laughs> that was good, man. excellent. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, my number four. I, I had a lot of number fours, but I ended up going with this one. I remember it back in two thousand nine. I'm sitting there and I'm watching the Cardinals play the Packers, and we knew there were going to be a lot of points. It was Kurt Warner versus Aaron Rodgers setting all sorts of records on offense. But ironically, it was a defensive play that ended the game. All right. So they're in overtime. It's 45-45. And Aaron Rodgers drops back the pass. He's got pressure. He ends up throwing probably the worst pass of his entire life. It's picked off by Carlos Dansby. And he returns it for a touchdown. And that's how the game ended. After both offenses put up 45 points going back and forth, back and forth. Green Bay's on top. Cardinals on top. Warner throws a touchdown. Rodgers throws a touchdown. It was an amazing back and forth game. And to see it end in overtime, I think on the first or second play on a defensive, again, interception, uh, uh, fumble, run back for a touchdown. Excuse me, it was a fumble by Carlos Dansby and Arizona ends up winning the game and they end up going to the Super Bowl that year. They weren't able to complete the mission, but that game was awesome. If you love offense, that was the game to watch, 2009 overtime. You guys remember that game? Yes. Crazy game. I definitely remember that interception because he kind of kicked it on the way down when he was getting sacked. And that's that's how I got intercepted. If he didn't kick it, it probably would have fell to the ground. So, yeah, I definitely remember that one. That was an absolutely crazy game. Yep. And that's that's a good call. That's exactly right. It went off his foot. Very good call. Nikki, I know it was, it was a while ago, but do you have recollections of that game, them guys going back and forth? I do. And it was actually my number three game. Really? So, yes. <laughs> it was well. like two <laughs> minutes into overtime that that um, interception happened. But yeah, I mean, I, I just, like I said, I, mine was my crazy theme and games that stuck out to me. And that did, because you guys have to think like, you know what? I know that looks like a normal score now, but believe me any young kids out there like there was a time where that was amazing like that was not a normal score right no Um, not at all so these teams combined for more than a thousand yards Kurt Warner and Aaron Rodgers threw nine TD passes between them three players had at least 125 receiving yards was the highest scoring playoff game I mean this was just a straight up duel and to see that in 2009 was uh really incredible no doubt wow that's so that's amazing that was your number three that worked out so perfectly and then you had the stats to back it up beautiful yeah we're on the same page here. that was a great game I was rooting uh, I was rooting for Aaron Rodgers I, I was a big fan of him right away and to see that happen I was like oh man but yeah such a great game all right so that's your number three so D what's your three my number three Tennessee Titans versus the Buffalo Bills. Oh, uh, 1999 wild card game actually happened in 2000. It was the first game of the new century. Um, but the uh, Tennessee Titans won 22 to 16. Good game going back and forth. Defensive minded game. The Buffalo Bills hit what they thought was the game winning field goal with 16 seconds left to go up 16 to 15. And Tennessee needs what you would call a miracle to win this game. Right. So Buffalo kicks it off. They do a short kickoff. It hits Lorenzo Nil. He throws it back to Frank Wycheck, who's a tight end. Frank Wycheck goes to the right and then flings it back to the other side of the field to Kevin Dyson, who has no one in front of him. 
after this and sprints down the field, 75 yards for the touchdown. It's the Music City Miracle. Never forget that game. And part that didn't make sense to me now that I think about it, why are you chasing Frank Wycheck like that? He's a tight end. You can, <laughs> if, he, if he takes off, you can catch him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know they need some type of miracle to happen. And this is before, like, teams started doing, like, the whole thing where you just pitch it a million times back and forth. You know, wow. you had, of course, the miracle in college with Stanford and all that, but most teams didn't do that. So you didn't expect them to do this type of play. And some people still think it was a four lateral. That's part of the allure of the game. Right. Um, it was close, but I could see why the refs wouldn't call it. And back then, I don't think they had instant replay back then anyway. So for me, great play to like a great call. One of the, you know, I don't give Jeff Fisher too much credit, but I guess I, that was one call that I can give to him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was an amazing game. Tennessee went on to go to the Super Bowl that year. Uh, so that was a excellent game, man. So that's my number three, Tennessee over Buffalo, the Music City Miracle. And Buffalo didn't make the playoffs again until Tyrod Taylor a few years ago. So that it took a while for them to recover from that one. Yep, that was, <laughs> to me, guys, that was the still to this day the best single play I've ever seen in an NFL game, given the circumstances, given the fact that you've never seen anything like that before in your life. Where, like you said, Lorenzo Neal just hands the ball off to Frank Wycheck. He goes up, and it was backwards by an inch, whatever you want to call it. And he had Dyson had blockers in front of him, but nobody else. It was him and his teammates. And I could not believe what I saw. And I, I still to this day, like I say, Nikki, it was the greatest play call I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I just remember my dad screaming at the TV because he like in his heart he is a Buffalo fan like when we were little you would just like get the Buffalo chant going for us Buffalo um but he's like a hometown guy like obviously he's Giants fan like when the Jets are in the play he roots for the Jets but I just remember my dad like yelling at the TV and I'm like oh my god so I definitely remember this game <laughs> yeah it was oh god it was something else no question wow all right well let's get to one number two now Nikki what's your number two did you do your three I did it no I didn't thank you oh my god you see I did this old thing Nikki's always helping me out guys you guys know that she always makes sure I'm in I'm in place over here I do have a number three and it goes back seven years to 2013 where the Colts were playing the Chiefs in the wild card round Andrew needed a lot of luck in that game the Colts were down guys 38 to 10 in the third quarter well 443 yards and four touchdowns later, Indy did the impossible. They won the game outright, didn't even have to go to overtime, 45-44. I was like, this game, 38-10, forget about it. I was rooting for the Colts at that point. I've always had a sweet spot in my heart for them. I, I could not believe that they came back in that game. There's another major comeback that we know in NFL history, but that one that I was, I, I just could not believe because the Chiefs had a solid team that year, 38-10, and they're able to come back in less than a half. Andrew Luck went ballistic. The Chiefs froze up 45-44 later. Yep, the Colts didn't go on to finish the job, but I'll never forget that game. No. Yeah, that was. <laughs> go ahead, Nikki. No, I was going to say that. You go ahead, D, because that's actually my number two. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one was on my list as well. I'll go ahead and substitute it out. But great game. 
crazy comeback. I remember the Chiefs just kept having injuries. Like everybody was just falling like flies in that game. That's and true. and then next thing you know, the Colts took advantage. Um, that's how we knew Andrew Luck was special in that comeback. But yeah, it was a crazy game to watch. And that was and the thing was, you know, there was no other game on at the time. That's the only reason you kept it on. If it was a regular season game, I wouldn't have seen that comeback because I would have turned the channel. Yeah, man. And this one, you know, you kept it on. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, they're coming back. This is nuts. It's amazing. Like Nikki said, momentum is everything. And they had all of it. So, Nikki, that being your number two, please elaborate. Yes. Um, I, I feel like it was I had a feeling it would be on all of our lists, probably. Um, so it's cool that we can all weigh in. But for me, it's like one of those games that's like it's not that long ago, but it's recent enough, but it feels like a lifetime ago. Alex Smith was the Chiefs quarterback. And That's here right. we are. <laughs> fast forward. I mean, prior to the um, the Chiefs' previous 12 playoff games, they had one victory. And I know that sounds crazy now, but one victory. Um, yeah. So Alex Smith threw for four TDs, led 38-10 early in the second half. But here come the injuries. Jamal Charles leaves the game with a concussion. Donnie Avery, Brandon Flowers, also out with concussions. The backup running back, Niles Davis. So, yes, it was just injury after injury after injury. Colts take the lead for the first time in that game with 429 left. And that's when Andrew Luck finds T.Y. for the 13th freaking time that day. Um, so look at the box score. Andrew Luck, 29 for 45. 443 passing yards, four TDs, three interceptions. Um, Alex Smith goes 30 for 46, 378 yards, four TDs, and a losing effort. So I just, where we are today, that game back then, I mean, it was absolutely crazy. And I really enjoyed rewatching those highlights. See, that's why it works out so well that you get to go after me because I can't follow you with all those statistical analysis and all that. I don't have that. <laughs> I can't do it. So I could just give my heartfelt and my memory, which I'm losing right now. So that, that's an excellent job backing up my number three, your number two. Yeah, we all talked about it. That was, you know, again, all on our list. Luckily, we have a few substitutes. But, yep, that's a game that's going to stick in my mind forever, no doubt. So let's keep it going with the number two. That was Nikki. Damien, what's your number two? So for my number two, I hope it doesn't start a fight between my co-hosts. Oh, boy. <laughs> As I have to go with... The 49ers versus the Giants, 2002 <laughs> wild card game. Sorry, Nikki, I had to bring this one up. Giants are up 38 to 16 over the 49ers. I can't hear this. I <laughs> <laughs> <You> have to. <laughs> and Pick up my Bose headphones. <laughs> I'll never forget T.O. scoring a touchdown. You know, T.O.'s dancing no matter what the score is. Michael Strahan coming to him, pointing at the scoreboard like, what are you dancing for? Look at the scoreboard. And lo and behold, 49ers come all the way back to win the game. Teal had a monster game, three touchdowns that day. Uh, 25 unanswered points by the 49ers. Just a crazy game to watch, crazy comeback. I just remember being in the house going crazy because I was a T.O. fan. Not a 49ers fan, but I was a T.O. fan. And it was something to see, man. Great game between the Niners and Giants. Sorry I had to bring that memory up, mm. Nikki, <laughs> but that was an excellent wild card game. Heartbreak oh, this week. Man. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. We're double locking you down because that's my number two also. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Knowledge with Nikki's next, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. 
take your lumps right now. There you go. <laughs> Jeff Garcia, you know, in that game, like unbelievable versus Kerry Collins of all people and the oh. Giants were the clearly the better team. I'll admit it right now. And I all my well, not all my friends, but a majority of my friends are Giants fans. I invited them over to come. I come over. Let's go. Let's have some beers and, we'll, you know, everything will be cool. They know I'm a little psycho. Anyway, when it was that score, 38-16, I threw a beer bottle clear across my house, okay? And everybody left. Everyone left because I was going ballistic. And they're like, I'm not going to sit here through this. The Giants are going to win. No problem. Obviously, we know what happens. The comeback of comebacks of comebacks, it was unbelievable. All the way down to the last play on the botched snap by by Jerkins or whatever his freaking name was. I forgot at the time. And he, and he really came in off the street. He shouldn't even have been playing in that game. So he botches the snap on the field goal attempt, and the punter gets it, who was holding it, hurls it downfield, and I'll admit it, it should have been a pass interference call, but they didn't call it, and I was happy as a pig in shit that the freaking 49ers beat the Giants because they are a true rival of the 49ers going back to the late 80s, oh. and it was great. 2002, we beat you guys. And it was wonderful. You had your chance a couple of years earlier against the Ravens. You blew it. So wow. that was Jay. <laughs> wow. I, uh, I mean, why don't you just stab me in the heart, rip it out? Why you got to go into all this detail well, like that? I, well, I won't stab you in the back. That's one thing. I <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, see, do you see what you did? You're getting all the questions now. <laughs> <laughs> so i guess i will basically leave it at that but that was when you talk about craziness nikki yeah i know it ain't on your list obviously but no that, it is not <laughs> that was as crazy as it got so me and d share a number two it's funny you and i had shared twos and threes and here we go with our number one so let's see if we go homer or if we go ancient history type of stuff nikki you are up all right. Yeah. I need to make myself feel better right now. So I am going It's probably not a surprise. 2006 Cowboys, Seattle, where Romo single-handedly loses the game. So <laughs> Mike Holmgren, right. Has to take a timeout. Seattle out of timeouts, 115 on the clock. It's 2021. Um, oh, that's the score and the year. Huh? Um, so <laughs> of course, the Cowboys, right? They got to try to take a lead on the leg of Grammatica, which if my brother's listening, unfortunately, he is a Cowboys fan, but he hates Grammatica so much. He hates this guy. Um, so here we go. I just, you guys, I this was always going to be my one. I just kind of filled in around it. I watched this clip like, I don't know, seven times last night before bed because it makes me so happy. The Romo fumble snap, and then he tries to <laughs> run it in. I mean, Bill Parcell's face is priceless, and I'm pretty sure this game invented memes. <laughs> <laughs> very well done right there. Very, very, very well done. Yep, uh, that, that's Damien. That's definitely one for the ages. No doubt about it. Yeah, I love how Nikki, she didn't even pick like a Giants victory. She picked a yeah. Dallas loss Yeah. Um, as, <laughs> as her favorite one. That is amazing. But yeah, no one ever will forget that game. Uh, Tony Romo, you know, definitely doesn't fumble it at all as an announcer, but he definitely fumbled it that day as the Q, as the starting QB who was still doing the duties that they should have had the punter doing or something. Yeah. <laughs> but he was still doing the backup QB duties. And that one was major, like major. And the thing is, he's not like he's a slow guy. He's a mobile QB who couldn't get, get out of his, you know, get the truck started. So get running <laughs> and got tackled. So yeah, I'll never forget that one. That was a really good pick. 
Yep. Excellent pick. Excellent pick. Yep. Everybody remembers that game. No doubt. If you're a football fan, that one is in your memory. No question. Oh, Tony Romo. Wow. All right, D, let's get your number one. So for my number one, I went the opposite of our theme. We're going favorite games. Uh, and you guys have, you know, picked my number one earlier that I had Coach Chiefs. So for this one, my backup was probably my least favorite wild card game of all time. I was surprised you guys didn't bring it up. You guys were being nice about it. Unless, you know, um, Jason has as his number one. No, um, no, I don't. No, it's I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> I, I didn't want to bring it up either, man. I, you know, you've been, uh, you know, you've been skittled out with that one. You've been beast mode out with that enough already. So we'll leave it alone. <laughs> but I'll go ahead. I'll be a good sport. I'll bring it up because it is a classic game. Seahawks, okay. Saints. Uh, Seahawks win 41-36. Uh, they were 7-9 going into this game. Uh, one of the reasons that I hate the fact that division winners get in, no matter what their record is, is this game. The origin of that argument was this game. Uh, Saints didn't have a great defense that year, but we still had a really good offense behind Breeze. It was a year after we won a Super Bowl. So you got to imagine, we're coming off a Super Bowl victory, 11-5. and five. We have to go to Seattle for this game. And both teams just going up and down the field. Uh, Drew Breeze had over 400 yards passing in this game, went 39 for 60, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, we were just going up and down the field. Uh, Matthew Hassel, Matt Hasselback had 272 yards, four touchdowns as well. But, of course, this game is remembered for the Beast Quake run. Yeah. I never – I don't think there was a moment up until the Minnesota Miracle. This was the <laughs> maddest I had ever been watching a play. <laughs> watching <laughs> Like, so Marshawn gets the, the handoff, right? And there's nowhere to go. He should have been tackled in the backfield. So the fact that it should have been a two-yard loss that turned into a 67-yard gain just lets you know how bad the tackling was. Yeah. So he breaks two tackles to even get past the line of scrimmage. Next thing you know, now he's got some momentum going. He stiffs arms. Like he gave Tracy Porter one of those Derrick Henry-type stiff arms. He yeah. went flying down the field for like five yards. He breaks two more tackles. Uh, Roman Harper comes over, breaks that tackle, and then now he's by himself. I'm like, how did this happen? He broke nine tackles on one play. <laughs> how <laughs> did this happen? Next thing you know, he's jumping into the end zone, grabbing his stuff, and Skittles are flying out the sky. I just, <laughs> it was so painful to watch. And like I said, it was the most angry. At that point, it was the angriest I had ever been watching the football game up until the Minnesota Miracle. Oh. And uh, it just was so bad. But it's a classic game. So it's one that if you think about classic wild card weekend games, you got to bring that one up. So, D, yeah. do you hate Skittles? Like, will you eat Skittles or are they off, off limits? <laughs> That's funny. I haven't had Skittles in a long time. Maybe it's in my subconscious. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> like, I haven't had it since a wild card game. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. All right. We're coming up on Knowledge with Nikki, but I'm going to give you my number one, and I'm going to make it short and sweet because we all know the sound of it. Owens! Owens! He caught it! He caught it! 1998. The Packers have been beating us up all decade long. Steve Young, the 49ers, finally get their revenge. Steve Young on the 30-yard line. They need to score a touchdown to win this freaking game. He backs up, he trips a little bit, all right, regains himself, and then throws a missile right to Terrell Owens, 
in the right in the middle of the end zone with three guys around him. He holds on to the ball, cries like a little baby. But I was crying too because we beat the Packers. You guys don't really understand when you're a 49er fan and Brett Favre has been beating your ass for years straight, not allowing us to get back to the Super Bowl. That was an amazing feeling. It felt so good, even though I never liked Owens. I was so happy at that moment. And the way it looked was almost like a movie. He stumbles back. He regains himself. You can almost see it in slow motion. He throws the ball. Receiver comes down with it. With three guys around him, holds on to it. The crowd goes crazy. I went nuts, man. I, I, I couldn't believe it. So was it the greatest game of all time? No, but for me, that was unbelievable. And again, with no time left on the clock, they did it. So I know you guys remember that game. It was just incredible for me as a 49er fan to finally beat Favre and the Packers. So that's why that's my number one. And it will remain. I could have brought up that other one that you talked about. The other one that we left out that we all probably would have put in if if it wasn't for all these other games is that Bills-Oilers uh, game from you know back when Warren Moon had four touchdown passes in the first half. Bills are down 35-3 to three in the third quarter, and they come back with Frank Reich, the backup of Jim Kelly, and they go on to win the game 35 unanswered points, and over time they win it. So that's another one that definitely deserves to be on the list. But great list, guys, great list, and some games I didn't even think of. So excellent. And also great minds do think alike. You know how it goes. All right, so that's our male player player, our four top AFC games. And now it's time to get a little tricky. This is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right on time. Here we go. To rock around, to rock around. That's right on time. It's tricky. It's tricky, 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 tricky. Tricky Nikki in the house. Knowledge with Nikki time. The most feared event around the world. But Damien and I are brave enough to take it on. So let's get this bad boy going. Knowledge with Nikki. She's furious. So we better watch out. Let's get it going. (laughs) No, I feel good. I feel good for you guys this weekend. You got you got to step it up. The holidays were a little rough. The hometowns oh were rough. So we're just going to do wild card weekend trivia this week. Okay, let's hit it. I guess I go first because I was absent last week. Yes, you are absent. All right. Okay, here Jay, here we go. Four questions each for you guys. Okay. In 2000, the Saints hired a voodoo priestess to combat the ghostly curse on their football stadium, which finally paid off when they beat the Rams 31-28 in the wild card round. What was the name of the voodoo priestess? Damien might steal this one from me because um, I'm not even going to try to venture a guess. I have no idea. D, you want to try? Wow. Um, was it Rugaru? It's not. It was Ava K. Jones. Yeah, I had oh. no shot. It was a real person. Okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I got. I kind of got sucked down the rabbit hole of her last night. <laughs> That's All a good right. one. <laughs> um, okay, Jay. Number two. In the 2008 wild card game between the Chargers and the Colts. This player ran for 22 yards for the winning score in overtime, sending Peyton Manning and the Colts home. Who was that player? I think it was Darren Sproles. It was. All right. Good job. Thank you. Good job, Jay. I remember that game. I was so pissed they lost, Indy. But, yes, uh, the Chargers had their number back in the day. Very interesting. All right. 
All right, next one. I'm ready, Nick. Okay, you're ready. Okay, in what season did the NFL decide to have three wild card teams and make the division winner with the worst record also play that weekend? Um, I, th- I think it was uh, 2000. No. D, you want to try? Was it 1990? It was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got a contest. We got a ball game, folks. Very good. <laughs> I'm impressed. That was good. You hit that right away. Good job. All right, Jay, number four for you. The first AFC wildcard game was played in the 1978-79 season. Which two teams participated in that first game? In the first wildcard game? AFC, yep. AFC. Jets Raiders? No. D, you want to try? Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Broncos Chargers. Houston Oilers and Miami Dolphins. Um, All right. All right. Tied up 1 1. Very good. 1 1. Okay. All right, D, here we go. Question number one. In in 2000, in the 2002 Jets Colts wildcard game, how many touchdowns did Peyton Manning throw for? Six. No, Jay, you want to try? Yeah, um, if I'm remembering the game correctly, I don't think he threw any. That is correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was that was he played horrible. I was trying to think if it was a good game or a bad one. That's good. That was a bad one. Yep. Forty one nothing. Yep. Forty. I remember that's right. Forty one nothing. All right. All right, D, you're up. Okay, D, here we go. Number two. How many wildcard teams have won the Super Bowl from nineteen seventy eight to two thousand three? Oh. 78 to 03. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a really good question. So I'm trying to think now. 78 to 03 wildcard teams. I'm going to say zero. No. Jay? I'm just trying to think. Um, I don't want to waste too much time. So it was from 73 to 2003? 78 to 2003. I'm sorry. Okay, 78, 2003. Wild card teams that won the Super Bowl. This, I could be wrong, but two come to mind. No, three. Shit. Raiders, ah. Broncos, and Ravens. The Ravens were the one I missed. Damn it. I missed the Ravens. All nice right. Job. All right, Good. D, here we go. Number three. In the 1989 wild card game between the Steelers and Oilers, who scored the game-tying touchdown to force overtime? Mm-hmm. 1989 Steelers-Oilers. Wow. Game-tying touchdown. I'm going to say it was a Warren Moon run. No. Jay? Ah, that would have been interesting. Um, that's too late for him. So Steelers-Oilers, 89 Final touchdown scored. Come on. Come on, get that name out of your freaking mouth. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. It wasn't it wasn't Haywood Jefferson, was it? Uh no, it was Merrill Hodge. Ah, oh, Merrill oh, Hodge. Oh, Merrill Hodge. Good question. 
Good NFL question. matchup legend. That's <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> All right, D, one more for you. Last one. What is the worst record to ever make it to Wild Card Weekend? The worst record to ever make it to Wild Card Weekend. Does this include strike years? You just tell me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say there was a 6-10 and 10 team to make it. Jay, you want to try? I mean, I, Carolina went six and ten in twenty thirteen, um, but if we're going to go back to a fourteen game season, I'm going to say five and nine. Four and five, nineteen eighty two. Ah, see the strike here. Yes. Ah. Yes. <laughs> the yeah. Detroit uh, Detroit Lions and Browns got in. So, and they won their tiebreakers over the other four and five teams. Huh, about, I feel like you should get like half a point for that because at least you thought about it. Good job, guys. I show in my first gut. Uh, yes. <laughs> you were th- that was good thinking. That was really smart. Made a lot of sense, Steve. That was yeah. good right there. And yeah, I figured it had to. When she said six and ten, when you said six and ten, I was thinking Carolina also. And then she asked me, I'm like, oh shoot, now I got to go way back into the bank, but couldn't figure it out. So failed that one over there. But no, Nikki, great questions, excellent questions. Hey, you guys did good. I see. I felt good about that. Yeah, I felt good too. I felt good too. That was fun. I like those. It type was. Of- that first one threw me for a loop. I never would have got that voodoo one, not in a million years. But I was like, oh, Damien's definitely going to get it. Let me give it to Jay. But no. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, Damien might know this one because I got no nah, I remember the game, obviously, play by play, but I did not remember that part. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we got more play by play for you. We got some interesting stuff the way we're going to break down this playoff action on Wild Card Weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get into every game for you guys right now so you know what to do and who to pick if you are one of them gambling types. So hang in there for 30 seconds, and we'll be right back with the third and three podcast. All right, guys, don't try to play it like you don't love that song, okay? Everybody out there loves that song. I don't even want to hear it for a second. It gets me moving. It's awesome. And that's why third and three play it right there, finishing out our eyes, the I letter. So what comes after I? J, J, G, J, K, maybe J. I don't know, J. All right, my left, J. Okay, oh, we're going to have some fun with that one. Let's have some fun now. Playoff freaking picture time. Wild card weekend is here, unlike any other, where there will be six games being played between the AFC and NFC. And the way we're going to break it down is very unique. Damien, why don't you let them know? So the way I wanted to break it down was to have each position group compared and contrasted for the matchup. So we'll go quarterback, running back, wide receivers, O-line, 
front seven, secondary, and special teams for each matchup. All right. And we might even throw a head coach in there also to make it a little more fun. So let's get this going. The first game that we got coming on on Saturday, uh, we're going to do the AFC first. We got the Colts, who are the seventh seed, against the Bills, who are at home, number two seed, probably the hottest team going into the playoffs right now. Quarterback. Nikki, which way are you going? Oh, I am for sure going Josh Allen over Rivers. I know Rivers is more experienced, um, but he's also experienced in making a lot of mistakes. Um, And Josh Allen does, but he can overcome them a lot better. I also trust Josh Allen more. um, And they, especially like we talked about, if Indy, is going to give up these leads and try to play from behind. I just think that, you know, Josh Allen's got more firepower. Yeah. D you said that Josh Allen was going to take a quantum leap and he sure did. That's the exact uh, definition for it right there. And last year when we saw him in the fourth quarter, when they were beating the Texans, him have a problem taking a bad sack, had a fumble, uh, tried to pitch it. It was just a hot mess. He's not going to do that this time. I'm a Josh Allen also. Yeah, I got to go with Josh Allen. The experience last year of him just crumbling in that Houston game, I think will prepare him better for this situation. And like you mentioned, Phillip Rivers, he is smart. And he does a great job of reading defenses, getting the ball out of his hand very fast. But when that ball is in his hand for an extended period of time, that's when mistakes happen. With Josh Allen, it seems like if he has the ball in his hands for an extended period of time, that's when great things happen. So that's why I got to go with Josh Allen for the quarterback. Yeah, consensus right there, no doubt. Running back, this could be a little bit interesting. I'll go first over here. Um, from what I saw from the Colts over the past you know, month, uh, month plus, uh, now with making Jonathan Taylor their lead guy, it took them a while to latch on. The Bills, they don't even bother running sometimes. So between Zach Moss and Singletary, it's not even the fact, it's the fact that they're not going to get the ball that much. And when they do, they run for three yards in a cloud of dust where Jonathan Taylor can go for 250. So as far as running back goes, I'm going to take the Colts team lead. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Same reasoning. Uh, I think that Moss and Singletary are very good when they get the chance. Um, but this is more of a passing team. The Colts, they want to run the ball. They want to play old school, keep the ball out of Rivers' hands so he doesn't make too many mistakes. So they're going to be running the ball. And I love how Jonathan Taylor has played the second half of the season. Yeah, he's been great. And, you know, if you can add a little Naheem Hines in there also, then that's even that much better. Nikki, what do you think? You think Singletary and Moss got the edge somehow? No, I gave the edge to Indy running backs. Um, Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is just running like a beast. And I think one of the successes Indy will have is running against Buffalo. They can. They You can run on the Bills. You know, their defense has improved, and we're, we're going to get to that. But um, they can be run on. So let's see. You know, again, uh, Indy has uh, – Heck of an offensive line. We'll go to that also. But let's go to the wide receiver court, uh, Damian. Why don't you go first? Yeah, for wide receivers, I got to go with Buffalo. You look at what Stephon Diggs did this year. Cole Beasley, quietly one of the most productive receivers in the league this year. Those two, with Josh Allen throwing in the ball, got to go with them. Even though, you know, T.Y. Hill, receiver there, also um, like Pittman as well. But they're not messing with the combination of Diggs and my man there in the middle. So you definitely have to give Buffalo the edge there. Uh, yeah, maybe so, Nikki. What do you think? Um, For wide receivers? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna give the edge to uh, David Diggs and his route running. And uh, Buffalo, I mean, their wide receivers are on fire right now, and they are the ninth ranked offense. So I'll give the edge to them. I'm also giving the edge to the Bills on that one. They got John Brown back, and people don't understand how much of a great thing that is. It can take some pressure off of Diggs to get him open more, and Brown can go downfield. He could do a lot more than that. So. Yeah, I love T.Y. Hilton. Pascal makes a couple of plays. I think Pittman Jr. is going to come along. But as of right now, guys, I'm with you 100%. It's definitely the Buffalo Bills. And look, who's throwing them the ball also? So that's another thing that we have to keep in mind. All right, let's go to offensive line over here. Uh, Nikki, you want to start out this one with the Colts and the Bills offensive line? Yeah, sure. No, I maintain that um, just like I've said all season, Indy has had one of the best offensive lines. And I think that they have maintained that well all season. Yeah, Damien, I have to agree with her. Uh, Phillip Rivers has been protected very well this year, all year long, and the running game is starting to come along. Uh, the Bills, they have a pretty good offensive line, but we see Josh Allen having to scramble a lot. And yes, part of it is what you say, him holding onto the ball too long. But overall, you know, the Colts, you know, Quentin Nelson, uh, you know, a guy like that, uh, having him up there. Um, man, they, their offensive line is ranked number two overall in the NFL. So it's, it's really hard for me to go against the Colts there. Yeah, I got to go right there with you. Um, just to back up your point about them protecting Phillip Rivers, he's only been sacked 19 times this year compared to 26 for Josh Allen. And you see the holes that are, the offensive line is opening up for Taylor and Himes. So I got to go with the Colts offensive line. Yeah, yeah, I'm with that right there. Yeah, the Colts offensive line has definitely been one of the staples in the league this year. All right, let's get to our next category, which is front seven. So now we're going go to we're gonna go to the defense. Um, I'll kick this one off, guys. Defense, um, it, it, it was a toss-up, but I, I really think that the Colts have the better defense, despite what I think Josh Allen and the Bills can do to them. Um, you know, I love DeForest Buckner up there, Justin Houston. You got Darius Leonard, Rocky Asin, Xavier Rhodes, who have been playing well, teaching that secondary. Uh, but we'll get to the secondary later. But they got a very good front four, and they got good linebackers uh, that really know how to play the game. They can rush the passer. So I think that front seven of Indy is better where the Bills are more, um, how can I say, uh, more logical in their approach. So I would fear Indy's defense, their front seven, a little more, Damien. Yeah, I'm right there with you. When you look at the Colts, they're ranked second against the run, only giving up 90 yards per game. And they're, like you said, they're able to rush the passer as well. And the way they play, those linebackers have to be good in coverage, in which they've been able to do. They got one of the best linebackers in the game in Leonard. So I definitely got to go the front seven for the Colts. Yeah, we'll see if he can do anything against Beasley if they don't throw, uh, you know, somebody else in the secondary on him. And to go even more, uh, that defense 13th in sacks this year, which is, you know, kind of middle of the road, but they did a good job. So, Nikki, what's your thoughts? Um, well, I didn't listen. So I just, I just ranked the defenses as a whole. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is interesting. Buffalo is currently ranked 15 defense and they started at number four. Um, so they've dropped quite a bit. I know they're starting to turn it around more, but they do struggle to generate some pressure there. Um, and I, I'm hoping they can keep their momentum, but just, you know, defense as a whole, I went uh, indie overall. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, looking at the secondary now, guys, um, you know, I, I mentioned Rocky, Sid and Xavier, Xavier Rhodes, but 
with the Bills, you got one of the best in the league in Tredavious White. And, he, you know, he's incredible. Micah Hyde is an excellent safety. If I have to look at it guy for guy and the way that I've seen Buffalo make certain turnovers this year, I would have to say Buffalo has the better secondary, but not by much, Nikki. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Damien, take it away. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man for man. They have a shutdown type corner in white, and he mentioned hide and safety. So I like Buffalo's secondary a bit more, even though Indy's front seven is so good that their secondary doesn't have to be as good as Buffalo's. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, the last category, we'll, we'll throw in head coach also, but we also got special teams to go along with this. And that could be taken from your field goal kicker, how well your punter is, um, you know, if you're able to block punts. So we could take it a whole bunch of different ways. And, you know, even the Bills were able to, uh, to uh, complete a fake punt the other day. So they're a team that I think is more sneaky and capable of doing that because they have the right personnel. Damien, uh, I don't see the Colts or haven't seen them do much of anything well on special teams as much this year. Um, even kicking field goals has been a problem for them back and forth. Same thing with Buffalo in ways. So it's kind of hard. But with when I think about McKenzie, their returner, who scored three touchdowns last week, and he could take it out of the end zone, that might give them the edge over there as far as field position goes. Yeah, I had the exact same reasoning to go with the Bills a little bit. Uh, you mentioned both field goal kickers have had their ups and downs this year, but the Bills have more explosive options on special teams. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And Nikki, and a special teams is not something we evaluate too much. <laughs> I know, yeah. like I'm a scout or some shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but- Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo. I-, I truthfully, like, I couldn't even speak to special teams, so. <laughs> No, it's just a, yeah, it's a whole different dynamic. And I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, we, I watch most of the games on red zone, so I, I'm going to defer to you guys. Yes, I, I will go with Buffalo <laughs> on that one. You know, I don't watch too many of Indy's special teams play. All good. All good in the hood. All good. And real quick, as far as head coach goes right now, it's Sean McDermott. I love Frank Reich, Damien, but I would give it to Sean McDermott right now. Yeah, I would go Sean McDermott as well, just because we've seen the development of his team and also – when it comes to certain situations, we've seen him have to get through those situations. With Frank, with Frank, we haven't really seen it yet. So we got to wait and see if he can handle the situations. I'm with you on that one. Should we make a prediction on the score? Yeah. All Let's right. Let's do it. Damien, go ahead. I'm going to go with Buffalo to defeat the Colts. I'm going to go 28 to 20 Buffalo. Okay. All right. Not bad. Nikki, what do you got for this one? I got Buffalo 34, Colts 23. Okay. And I got Buffalo 33, Colts 27. So it looks like the Colts are going bye-bye, but congratulations for making the playoffs, guys. We appreciate it. All right. Our next AFC game, which will be the Sunday night game. So we're skipping ahead a little bit. We got a rematch of week 17. This time it's going to be the ones versus the ones, and that's got to be pretty scary for the Browns. But let's go over it. Quarterback first. We got Baker Mayfield. We got Ben Roethlisberger. Nikki, who are you taking? Oh, I'm taking Big Ben all day, every day. And I agree with her wholeheartedly, no doubt about it. All the experience, he's just better even right now at his ripe old age, Jamie. Yeah, no, you got to go with the experience of Big Ben in this game. And also, if we get the second half versus the Colts, Ben, 
it's not close in that matchup. <laughs> yeah, if, if they come out, yeah, if they come out on fire, then the Browns are going to be in major, major trouble. But one thing we know that they can do very well is run the ball. They got two guys, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. The Steelers can't run the ball to save their lives. So this one's a no-brainer for me. Browns, running backs, definitely. What do you say, D? Yeah, no, it's not close at all. Browns, they that's what they do. They are a running team, and they're running backs. They have two running backs who could be 1,500-yard guys if they were on their own team. Very true. Very, very true. And, Nikki, like I'm saying, the Steelers, they barely even attempt to run the ball anymore. So it's got to be the Browns, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Has to be the Browns. Definitely. Definitely. All the way. Let's get to wide receivers. Nikki, why don't you take this one first? Wide receivers between the Browns and the Steelers. I feel like this was kind of tough. So you had, you know, Juju, Claypool versus Landry, Peoples-Jones. I actually think they're kind of evenly matched when these offenses get going. Um, So I think I would probably normally say push but I for me I'm just going to err on the side of experience I'm just telling you right now I'm Steelers all the way down the list except except for tight end probably I I would give it maybe to Austin Hooper but I just I don't trust Cleveland so I also don't think they have a chance in winning just so we have a little perspective um Big Ben is 24-2-1 against the Browns. So I will err on the side of experience um, and Mike Tomlin and all of the Super Bowl championess that comes with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sounds like a pretty safe bet right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a safe bet right there with the wide receivers. What do you think, though? Yeah, I got to go with the wide receivers for Pittsburgh. You think about Juju, you think about Claypool. With Cleveland, they have weapons there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but with the loss of Odell Beckham, they don't have the explosion that Pittsburgh can have when they're definitely going down the field. Yeah. I mean, you had a guy like Deontay Johnson, who's a heck of a route runner, can get deep, makes great catches. Uh, Steelers for me all the way. If OBJ was there and he was having a good season, we can have a debate. But no, I, I, I like the Steelers on that one as far as the wide receivers are concerned. All right, so let's move to our next category, which is the offensive line. Okay, so offensive line uh, in this game over here between the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, Look, the Browns got a pretty good offensive line, guys. You know, they got Conklin, they got Jedrick Willis, uh, who they picked up. But when I look at the Steelers' offensive line, I'm just like, I'm like, wow. I mean, Ben doesn't get touched. They're the number one offensive line as far as giving up sacks. Ben's been sacked only 14 times this year. So I'm going O-line with the Steelers, even though the Browns do have a good one, Nikki. Uh, Steelers, yes. She's, she's all the way down my list. <laughs> it what is all the way down my list. <laughs> um, I'm actually going Cleveland for O-line. Okay. I think the Steelers O-line is good, but part of the reason that Ben doesn't get touched is that he gets rid of, he gets rid of the ball in like 0.2 seconds. Very true. So, <laughs> so it's, it's hard for any defense line to get down there. In Cleveland, they're opening up those holes for those running backs. It's not just Chubb and Hunt doing it by themselves. They're getting some good holes to run through. Um, Baker Mayfield does have time in the pocket. For him, it only becomes a problem when he spends too much time thinking about stuff. But when he's just there, just doing a drop-back pass, he has all the time in the world. So I think Cleveland does have a better offensive line. All right. You made a good case right there. I like that, especially with, you know, opening the holes to run because Pittsburgh apparently can't do that. I don't know who you're going to blame it on there. So, okay. I like that a lot. Let's get to our front seven. Now we know where Nikki's going for sure. So let's do our front seven over here. Um, Damian, you know, Browns, obviously they got, you know, guys like Miles Garrett, of course, and Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon's over there. 
uh, the Steelers got TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, you know, like these. And I know that they're missing Bud Dupree and Devin Bush right now, which really, really hurts, but it didn't seem to slow them down enough. So I'm, I'm going to have to still go with that Pittsburgh front seven, man. I mean, they're just, they're, they're tough as hell. And the number one in sacks in the league, you know, thanks to TJ Watt, uh, you know, especially. So I, I have to go with them. Yeah, I definitely see why. Um, I'm going Pittsburgh as well, but like you mentioned, Cleveland is definitely nothing to sleep on with their front seven. A lot of talent there. So I think it's closer than people think, but Pittsburgh front seven is special. Yeah, they really are. They they really are. Again, leading the league in sacks and everything, it's, it's really amazing. All right, so that's our front seven. Let's get to our secondary, where we know that Nikki is definitely going with Nick, Minka Fitzpatrick and the boys and Joe Hayden over there, but... Um, I don't know. When you look at the Browns secondary, what do you think, Damien? It's a good secondary when healthy. Um, that's the problem. That secondary hasn't been healthy all year long. And Pittsburgh is starting to really find their groove. Fitzpatrick, I love Fitzpatrick a lot, man. He's such a ball hawk. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hayden's good corner veteran. So I got to go at Pittsburgh. But Cleveland, when healthy, I think we'll see that maybe next year. It'll be a really good secondary. Yeah, I, I think the same exact thing that you do. Definitely Pittsburgh um, in the secondary all the way. Again, we're talking about a top defense over here, Nikki. So I, I know that you're Steelers on this one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Steelers. Like, oh, yeah. It's just like yep, just <laughs> Steelers all the way. Uh, yeah, no, it is. It's uh, all the way down my sheet here. And this is like all the way down my sheet here. I love it. <laughs> it is. As far as special teams goes, um, I didn't really see – one team have a significant one over. This was really tough for me, Damien. I don't know. Where did you go here? Because I'm still trying to figure this one out. Um, I went with Pittsburgh just because of Boswell at kicker. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Somebody you know you can trust to kick the ball through. You went 19 for 20 this year for field goals. Mm. Uh, so you definitely can trust him in any situations. And Cleveland – it's, you know, people who haven't been there before. So I just got to go at Pittsburgh on experience. Yeah, I was going to say the experience of Pittsburgh, them being there before and being so well coached all these years, knowing their jobs, what to do. The outside guys don't break containment. They know what's going on. So I like that one right there. And also with Boswell, it makes a whole lot of sense. No question. So we got our special teams. And now we go to our head coaches real quick, where we got Mike Tomlin and Kevin Stefanski, who will unfortunately not be there. Uh, Nikki, there's any question in your mind? <laughs> no, I mean, Kevin, you know, Stefanski, yeah, a lot of credit to him, but uh, I mean, please, uh, to me, there's no comparison. Mike Tomlin. Nah, me either. Look, you know that I love Mike Tomlin. He's unbelievable. Again, what he did last year and now, you know, coming out the gate 11 and 0, Damien, Mike Tomlin for me, 100%. Yeah, Mike Tomlin has the experience. He knows how to handle these situations. Unfortunately, we're not going to know if Stefanski knows how to handle it unless they get the upset and go to the next round. Mm. Um, Stefanski, I do think, should be coach of the year. Um, but it's, you know, when you talk about coach of the decade, that might be Mike Tomlin. So you have to put him in there. I like that. I like that. Yeah, you can debate him or Belichick all you want, but uh, you can't get much better, no doubt. Our last AFC wildcard matchup before we get to the NFC, we got – the Ravens and the Titans. So, wow, this one is going to be a very confusing one. I'm not even sure what the betting line is at the moment, but let's go through it and let's see if we can find out who's going to win this game between the clash of the Titans. That was so cheesy. All right, quarterback, here we go. We got Lamar <laughs> Jackson and Ryan Tannehill. Nikki, where are you going with this one? Oh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, how do you stop this dude? Like, I just don't think you do. When he gets going. Um, so, yeah, no, I think Ryan Tannehill – 
can make some things happen, but Lamar Jackson, man, I mean, no, this doesn't compare. Damien, what do you think? I got to go Lamar Jackson because of his ability to be dynamic, but Ryan Tannehill, it's not like it's a major margin. Ryan Tannehill has been playing well this year. You could say he's a top 10 quarterback the way he's been playing, um, but he doesn't have, he's in, he's very mobile as well. Former wide receiver. We hear every game. <laughs> he's a former wide receiver. So he definitely has the mobility there, but it doesn't have Lamar Jackson type mobility. And that's what makes Lamar Jackson special. So I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson, but not by a wide margin. Yeah, I, look, I totally agree. When Lamar Jackson gets hot, he can make any pass uh, on the field. There's no doubt about it. You add in his running ability, his escapability out of the pocket. Those are, Ryan Tannehill is definitely athletic. He ran in a touchdown last week. We know that he's been able to do that, especially because Derrick Henry is such a threat. So you add that into it. But overall, I'd rather have Lamar Jackson's skills than Ryan Tannehill, hoping to have a good game just dropping back and not allowing the Baltimore defense to get on his butt like that. So, yep, I'm with Lamar also, but I agree with you, D. It's not by a big margin at all. So let's hey, see what we think about Jay, Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but we didn't make a prediction on the Cleveland game. That's very true. We didn't make a prediction. I'm so old. I can't freaking get my <laughs> Let's do that now. All right, Nikki, we know you got the Steelers by how much? Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh 31, Cleveland 26. Uh, Pittsburgh 21, Cleveland 26. Are you sure? 31 or 21? 31. 30. Okay, make sure you hear you right. All right. All right. D, thank you for saving me. What do you got? I'm going Pittsburgh 30 to 20. All right. Now I'm go- I got a similar score. I got a 28-21. I think the Browns score a late touchdown. That doesn't really mean that much. I think the Steelers will, for the most part, dominate this game when they were head-to-head with their second stringers. So there you go. Good save, by the way. Thank you. All right. So we got our quarterbacks with the Ravens-Titans game. Let's go to our running backs now. What do you say, Damian? Well, you got to go Tennessee. You got <laughs> to go with the 2,000-yard man. Uh, I just saw this crazy stat that he ran for 2,000 yards in high school, college, and the pros. Oh. And uh, his his senior year of high school, he actually ran for 4,000. Imagine trying to tackle that guy in high oh school. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to go with Derrick Henry there. But – Baltimore does have some good running backs there. J.K. Dobbins is the reason that Nikki whooped on me in fantasy this past week. <laughs> <laughs> so they definitely are not to be slept on with the threat of Lamar Jackson helps their running backs be even better. But Derrick Henry is an absolute monster. Right. If we, Look, if we're talking about running backs, and I, I too, I love J.K. Dobbins in the mixture with Gus Edwards, but Derrick Henry is both of them in one. He's got the speed and he's got the power. And he just gets stronger as the game goes on. So for me, Tennessee, Derrick Henry, no question. Do you defer, Nikki? Um, Derrick Henry, obviously. <laughs> King Henry, of course, in the house. All right. Well, what about wide receivers now? So the Ravens, they got Marquise Brown. You want to, you know, put Mark Andrews in there. You know, Boykin doesn't do much. Titans got A.J. Brown. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Davis has come around uh, lately. You got Jonu Smith. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's, it's kind of close. I don't know, Nikki. What do you think? Um, I gave the edge to the Titans because I think their big play potential is better than the Ravens. Okay, that's a good answer, Damian. What do you got? Yeah, I got to go to Titans as well. Big play. We saw the big play potential. <laughs> you know, you only got twenty seconds left, and you got to go deep. Yeah. Still yeah. get beat by AJ Brown there by the Texans. But yeah, Tennessee. They have more. Just more diverse group. They can do more. Um, Baltimore does have weapons there, but it's more tight end based. And 
when you, that limits you as far as being able to go down the field and be explosive. Uh, with Brown, he's starting to catch the ball a little more now. That's a big thing with him. Once he, after he came out with the whole soldier comment, he's a soldier and he's the ball. He couldn't, <laughs> catch, the ball. He couldn't catch the ball after that. Um, but it looks like he's coming around now. But I got to give the edge to Tennessee and wide receiver group. Yeah, yeah, me too. Look, I, like I said, I'm, I'm all over it with Tennessee right now. Um, on the receiver side, you know, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, again, Lamar Jackson, when he gets hot, he can make incredible plays. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, like I said, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, but he, he's, he's amazing. Incredible, incredible. <laughs> Just really amazing. A big body, a guy you don't want to tackle. He's got it all. So he's serious business right there, or even all by himself, no doubt. And Ryan Tannehill loves to throw him the ball. All right, so that's the wide receivers. How about the offensive line, guys? Um, I'll go first here real quick with the offensive line. The Ravens' offensive line is actually only ranked 14th, which surprised me a little bit. The Titans have the seventh overall um, ranked offensive line. And just from watching this year, you can see that Lamar Jackson has gotten into trouble because protection has broke down at times for whatever reason, this and that. But um, Tannehill has had time to sit in the pocket and – that's why his offensive line is doing such a good job and he can make the throws. And again, with Derrick Henry being that threat. So I would take the Titans offensive line over the Ravens. Um, I just feel like there's way more protection over there. Nikki, what do you think? Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's interesting because I went Tennessee for the offensive line and then defense as a whole, uh, I went Baltimore. So I'm <laughs> excited for this matchup. Yeah, it, this should be a really good one. Do you God, know please, that? I can't. I cannot have a repeat of like last year. I can't deal with it. I can't live like that again. So please, <laughs> pull it out. Yeah, maybe this is their year again. Lamar Jackson's got to win one, but um, you know, what do you think about the offensive line and the protection, D? Yeah, I got to go Tennessee as well. You mentioned how Tannehill has good protection. And also, you don't run for 2,000 yards without a good O-line, no matter right. you know, how dominant you are. Um, that O-line has to be good. So Tennessee's O-line definitely deserves credit for that as well. No doubt. And that's a great call because Emmett Smith would not be the leading rusher of all time if he didn't have the greatest offensive line in front of him. So let's get that straight right there. So that's a really, really good call. I like that a lot. I like that. All right, let's keep going down the listy list over here. We did offensive line. Now let's get to our front seven. All right, Damian, take it away. Front seven in this game. I got to go Baltimore. Baltimore's front seven. You know how much I love the name Calais Campbell. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but Baltimore, their whole front seven is just nasty. Uh, and they get to rolling. They get you down third and 10, third and 11. They get to pin those ears back and come. It's a nasty D line, man. And they know how to stop the run as well. So I got to go Baltimore. No doubt. No doubt. And Nikki and I are, are totally with you. You got, like you said, Calais Campbell, one of the greatest names ever, especially that first name. Unbelievable. Patrick Queen, the rookie. You got Derek Wolf, Matthew Judon. Yeah, that's big problems right there. And the Titans have major, major issues. They are 30th in sacks this year. They are not going to get to Lamar Jackson. If they do it, maybe once, Nikki. So I'm definitely going with Baltimore like you. Baltimore all the way all the way home is where we go that's our front seven how about our secondary what are we going to do we know where Nikki's going secondary um hmm. this is an interesting one I mean you know you got Marcus Peters and you got Marlon Humphrey who I like a lot and given that I know the Titans got a couple of guys back there um you know uh what's his name the safety why am I what Kenneth fired he fired so he's a great player, but um, overall, when it comes to the corners and Peters and Humphrey, I'm going to have to go with Baltimore secondary, Damian. 
Yeah, I got to go Baltimore as well. You mentioned those ball hawks and Peters, Humphreys. And even though their secondary is good and the front seven makes them even better. So, yeah, Baltimore's secondary definitely gets to feast off of that. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Baltimore, they got some sweet special teams, too. I don't even have to waste time on this, even though the tit- we talked about the Titans back in 99 with the greatest play of all time. A little bit different now. The Ravens have been able to be sneaky here and there on special teams. So I'm going to give them that one real quick. Yeah, you got to. Justin Tucker. You yeah. have to go. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it's all, that's the tweet. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you have to give it to Baltimore. <laughs> Maybe best kicker of all time. Who knows? Wow. Yeah. And head coach, we got John Harbaugh, who's a Super Bowl champion, and Mike Vrabel, who is a good guy, went to the AFC Championship last year. He knows his football, but if we're going with the experience and guys got a Super Bowl ring on, I'll take John Harbaugh any day. Yeah, you got to go with John Harbaugh on the experience, Super Bowl champion, uh, been there. Now, Tennessee, you can say that he's been outcoached by Vrabel the last two times these guys have met, so that does add a little bit of interest to the matchup, but... I'll still have to go with John Harbaugh just on the experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think John Harbaugh's a great coach. He wouldn't still have his job if not for what he's done in the past and so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, uh, this this is going to be a hell of a game, man. Nikki, it, it sounds like you're going Baltimore, but uh, are you totally convinced on that? Yeah, no, there's no way this happens twice. Like, it's just, no, third time's a charm. I'm putting all the vibes out. I don't care what I got to do. Might even wear a Ravens jersey. Who knows? Like, I just cannot live through this again. So I'm going to go Baltimore 36, Tennessee 31. But I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I, I think it's going to be a hell of a game, too. I think it's going to be a one-score game, uh, no matter how you look at it, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. Uh, D, before I get to you, the fact that the Ravens are 14th in sacks and the Titans O-line is, you know, ranked seventh in large part due to Henry. If they can get some blitzes going, bring some guys off the edge, I think they're going to give Tannehill fits. But a lot of this depends on how well Derrick Henry can run against Baltimore. And he can, but will he? That's the question. My answer is, yeah, he'll do that. But I think they're going to con- they're going to let him get his yards a little bit, but make sure that they don't get those bomb touchdowns and get beat that way so if I have to go with the score I'm gonna make it really close guys I think Ravens win this one 29-28 on the road Mm. what do you got D I'm going Baltimore 31 to 27 I think that Lamar Jackson has a great game and finally puts to bed the whole I can't perform a big game thing I think he puts that away and gets off the playoff snide one of my favorite (laughs) my favorite made-up words (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well you know what for baltimore fans and for nikki's husband's sake let's hope so but uh yeah for my uh, sake what are you talking about yeah yeah really <laughs> gotta live with it no kidding <laughs> all right guys we got one more segment to come back with and that's the nfc wildcard matchups and then we'll talk a little bit more football and then we'll say peace for the night and get on out of here 30 seconds hang in 33 podcasts coming right back at you Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh Shadidas squeak across the bathroom floor. Out my back window, I take my escape. Didn't even get a chance to grab my old school tape. Mad with no music, happy cause free. And the streets to a player is the place to be. Got a knot in my pocket, way at least a grand. Gold on my neck, my pencil's close in hand. I'm a self-made monster of the city streets. Remotely controlled by hard hit my feet. But just living in the city is a serious task. Didn't know what the cops wanted, didn't have time to ask. 
All right, back in action over here, third and three podcast. We're having a blast as we always do, going through the playoff picture. We just did the AFC with the Bills, the Colts, the Steelers, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Titans. We're going to get into the NFC in a minute, but first, we're going to do a little nailed it, failed it from going way back into the beginning of the season, certain predictions that we made that may or may not have come true. So we're going to let it out right now. Here we go. It's going to happen. We, this, hey, these shows are taped. You guys know what we say. There's no hiding behind it. So let's get this bad boy going, man. Damien, you want to kick one off for us? Yeah, I'll kick it off with a nailed it. And, of course, I nailed it with the prediction that Josh Allen would take a quantum leap, leap. <laughs> Leap, leap. <laughs> <Echo>. <laughs> yeah, so Josh Allen took a leap in literally every category. Completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, less interceptions. Everything was better. His team looks a lot better because he's better. So that's one prediction that I am proud of. I'm nervous now because I had to do a quantum leap every year. I'm going to be nervous about who I pick for next year. Will they live up to what Josh Allen did this year? <laughs> but, be careful now. Yeah, I know. I know. But Josh Allen was definitely one that I nailed it on. You absolutely nailed it, man. And look, I fell in love with this guy when he came in, but you were on the show early saying quantum leap. And I wouldn't have used those words. I, I, improvement for sure. But this guy did take a quantum leap. 10 uh, percentage points up in completion percentage, 35 touchdowns, 10 picks or nine picks, whatever it was. Uh, just phenomenal. And I can't wait to see him in the playoffs. So yeah, you definitely nailed it right there. You absolutely nailed it. Nikki, did you have one that you nailed? Um, I said the Giants would win at least five games, and they've won six, so nailed it. Yeah, you nailed <laughs> that one right there. All right, very good. I think I failed the rest, though, so <laughs> <laughs> that might be my only nail it. Hey, I had quite a few failures myself, but the one I'm proud of, you guys know already, is the Cleveland Browns going from 6-10 and 10 to 11-5, and five, making the playoffs. And the first time I jumped on their, their uh, bandwagon, I just knew it was going to come together this year. Running the ball, playing defense is how you got to do it. Real shame that Kevin Stefanski won't be on the field to coach that playoff game, but I don't think it would make much of a difference anyway. Uh, so as the Steelers would win. But uh, yeah, I nailed that one. I nailed that one. So let's go for, I don't know, if we can go for a fail or a nail. The D, what do you want next? I'm going to go ahead and go with one of my fails. I, I'm not really mad about this one, though. I was close. I predicted that Dalvin Cook would lead the league in rushing. He was second. And the guy who led the league in rushing was Derrick Henry with 2,000 yards. So I, I don't feel too bad about this one. But is technically a fail because he didn't lead the league, but he was second with over 1,500 yards. Hey I, hey, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to call that a failure, man. I mean, that's still pretty good to finish second. That ain't bad at all, man. So you call it a fail, that's a good fail right there. That ain't too bad at all. <laughs> um, yeah, one of my failures was thinking that the Packers were going to fall apart, that Aaron Rodgers was not going to get along with Matt LaFleur and this and this can happen, and maybe Jared Love comes in and Aaron Rodgers wants out. Well, the complete opposite happened of what I said they got along, they sleep together in the bunk beds now. I mean, you know, going over <laughs> play calls for next game and everything. They're completely in sync. They've become friends. They respect each other. And now look what happened. They went 13-3 and three again, this time with home field advantage. So I totally failed that one where I thought that was going to fracture the franchise or at least the team. But Aaron Rodgers is too good for that, too smart for that doesn't give a damn about it. He knows his ability. So you know what? He wasn't scared for a second. Was he pissed off? 
Yeah, but not scared. And that's why they are where they are and not where I thought they would be. So that's a major fail on my part. What about you, Nick? You got a little failure action? Oh, yeah. My most embarrassing one, uh, saying that Mike McCarthy would be coach of the year. (laughs) 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 To take my podcasting uh, credentials away for that. (laughs) Never, never. Those can never be revoked. We're allowed mistakes. It happens. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. How about another nailed it thing? Another nailed it. Uh, I have to go with the one that almost didn't come. We both were going at it in week 17, but I nailed it on the Tennessee Titans uh, winning the AFC South. And I believe I got all the division winners in the AFC correct. So nailed it on all the division winners. Oh, wow. You you know what you did? Yeah. Bills, Steelers. You picked Steelers to win or Baltimore to win? I picked Steelers to win. You picked Steelers. I thought you did. That's right. And you had the Titans and, of course, the Chiefs. Job very well done. Very well done. Yeah, I think where I partially nailed it is I got six out of the seven AFC wildcard teams. The only one I missed is the team that we were all a little bit hyped on. I had Denver in and not Tennessee, but getting six out of seven ain't too bad. So I think I kind of nailed that one a little bit. Yeah, no, that's really good. Not too bad. Not so good in the NFC. That'd be a failure right there. That's for sure. I didn't do well. Having <laughs> San Fran coming out. Gosh. Nikki, you got another one you want to share? Um, no, I don't know where else I nailed it off the top of my head. But, you know, I failed at Denver. I failed in picking Arizona. I said Atlanta might surprise people and sneak in there. So I failed there. Uh, yeah, just epic fails throughout the year. So. <laughs> I definitely failed with Daniel Jones saying he would be a top five fantasy quarterback. Yes, part and due to injury, but I'm not sure he would have made it there anyway. Uh, I got one more positive. What else you got, Dean? Uh, I got another fail. It was massive. I said that Michael Thomas would repeat oh. as <laughs> the uh, receiving yards leader and receptions leader and, you know, injuries, but it doesn't look like he would have got close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that was tough. But hey, if he's back for the playoffs, man, that's all you care about right now, right? That's all you definitely, need. Definitely, definitely. The only other one that I def- that I nailed is, um, and this kind of goes back to like three years ago, I never believed in Jared Goff, even when they went to the Super Bowl. I know that their offense was incredible that year, but in the second half of the year, they fell off and they really never looked the same since. And now I wonder if he's really that good enough to be a starting quarterback in the league. So um, he is, he is for the Rams. Obviously they're still a good team. They're in the playoffs and everything, but I just don't think Jared Goff is one of those, you know, 12 to 14 year guys. I think he's going to be a backup in the next two or three years, possibly. So I don't know. So that's not necessarily a nail that or failed it, but I feel like he kind of failed a little bit this year. So that's my last one. Anything else to share before we go to the NFC wildcard? Uh, no, I think that's it for now that I felt it right now. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Then let's get rock and roll with the NFC wildcard, doing it the same way that we did the AFC. The Packers have the number one seed in the NFC, as the Chiefs do in the AFC. Our first game that we're going to go over are the team that the Packers just beat, and that's the Bears going to my boy, our boy, the Saints in New Orleans. The Bears got to go to New Orleans to play the Saints. Okay, let's figure out how much the Saints are going to win by over here. Quarterback. This is ridiculous. <laughs> does anybody just just uh, does anybody have Chicago on any of their rankings over the Saints? I I don't. Okay. I'm not sure I do either. Actually, when it comes down to it, um, the only thing <laughs> special teams maybe because they do have 
a really good kick returner and Patterson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously Drew Brees over, you know, Trubisky. There's no contest there. You got Kamari, you got Latavius Murray. Yeah. You know, if Michael Thomas comes back, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook. Yeah. The offensive line is great, uh, you know, protecting Drew Brees, you know, for the most part, the secondary. I mean, you could speak to this more than I can D with Marcus Lattimore and Jenkins back there. Obviously, Sean Payton, head coach. I mean, against Matt Nagy, who doesn't know what the hell he's freaking doing. They <laughs> okay, Chicago. They gotta go up against this team. Like Saints are on fire. They got like the best defense in the league. They their O line consistently like allows the fewest quarterback pressure. Like I just feel like I, I don't know. I, I just yeah. think it's Saints all the way. <laughs> Look, yeah, no, I definitely have the Saints all the way. The only one I was kind of close the one that I struggle with with defensive line because you do have Khalil Mack there mm-hmm. with the Bears but our defensive line has Cam Jordan also um, Trey Hendrickson who's very you know not known but was somebody who led the league in sacks for most of the year uh, also with Marcus Davenport on that defensive line so yeah our front seven you gotta also include um, Demario Davis there one of the best linebackers in the league yep. so yeah I- you know, I, yeah. I, I, not Akemix. I'm sorry, Akemix. I don't know why I said his name. Um, Sheldon Rankins, I meant I meant to say. Yeah. Player. Wasn't even close, Jay. <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was thinking Bears for a minute. I don't know why. I was thinking Bears, who they're playing. But Yeah, no, and uh, Hicks, Hicks, they used to play for the Saints. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. That's, that, yeah. that's exactly, exactly. So my old brain got confruffled again. Is what <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. no, Nikki's right. It's, it's all Saints. Special teams, you could go Bears because of Patterson. But the Saints, I love our punt returner uh, in Harris. He's great. Like, he always makes it – Like it seems like he always gets 10 to 15 yards on every punt return. He makes something out of nothing every time. Yeah. Kicker-wise, yeah. the Bears, just of their history, you can't trust their kickers. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Not even in a dome. Don't matter. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Saints all the way down. All yeah, right, Saints are over, man. absolutely. Eighth in sacks. Their offensive line is ranked 12th. They don't even need that much time because Breeze gets it out in 2.5. Yeah, y- you got to love the Saints over here. So, all right, time to get to our final score since we're all over that right now. So, what is it going to be, Nikki? Uh, Saints 31, Chicago 21. 31-21. All right, what do you got, Dean? I'm going Saints 30 to 17. All right, and I'm going Saints 32 to 16. I just think it's going to be a total romping, absolutely. So, all right, we're all with the Saints on that one. I know you guys are because that's your Super Bowl pick right there. Saints and Ravens, you guys are very much alive on that one, so that's awesome. All right, let's check out our next game. Now, this one's definitely interesting because of injuries and the ups and downs, and we don't know what's going to happen, but let's get to it. We got the Rams at the Seahawks, the divisional battle in the first round, wild card game. Uh, I don't think there's much debate, obviously, at quarterback, especially since we don't even know where the freaking Rams quarterback's going to be. But Russell Wilson is better than both of them combined, guys. Yeah, no debate. <laughs> Russell nope. Wilson's better. Russell even, Wilson. <laughs> even, if they put, even if they put both of them out there at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> now, what about running back, though? Now, they both had their injury problems with running back. Now, all being healthy – I'd probably lean towards Seattle, but I don't know how healthy Carson is. I know Brashad Penny can come in, maybe Carlos Hyde. Then for the Rams, Cam Akers, I, I don't even know if he's going to be able to suit up. It may just be Malcolm Brown. So with that all being said in the injuries, I would have to lean towards Seattle and with the way that they use their running backs as opposed to Malcolm Brown just, 
you know, going up the middle. And it appears that he's going to be having to take most of the carries, Damian. Yeah, this one was tough for me as well, um, because the Rams can run the ball. They can, yes. And with Seattle, they go in and out of being able to run the ball. There's not consistency there with their running game. Um, But it has been better lately as they've gotten back to kind of their old style. Um, So me, I I put a tie there between those two uh, with Seattle and the Rams on the running backs. You know what? I don't even blame you, man, because like I said, it's really, really tough because of the health issues and the fact that Seattle doesn't even like to run the ball anymore, apparently. And the Rams, if Goff is there, you know, he's not going to be handing the ball to Malcolm Brown all the time, but they do like to run and work off that play action. So if Goff is healthy, that can help him in that aspect. But as far as running backs go, Nikki, who do you give the edge to? Um, I gave the edge to Seattle because if Carson is there and healthy and they do use him, um, he really does get that offense going. Yeah, he does. He, he really does. He's, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can do a whole bunch of stuff, no doubt about it. So, all right, I like that. Wide receiver time. Um, hey, guys, this is pretty interesting over here. Wow. Let's just go through some of the names. First of all, Cooper Cup. As I mentioned in neighborhood news, he's cleared from COVID. He could play. So you got him, you got Woods, you got Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett. Um, even that guy Johnson has come on on the other side. You got Metcalf, you got Lockett. And then it kind of dies off from there. So I'm almost inclined to give the wide receivers to the Rams. Now, the problem is Jared Goff is not going to be himself. But if we're just looking at it in a vacuum, uh, Damian, I think the Rams wide receivers are better overall. They're deeper. Deeper, yes. But with the with the Seahawks, you got that monster Metcalf, you got Tyler Lockett, even more is good. So it's a close one, but I could see why you would go Rams because they're deeper. And I feel like with Cup, it makes a big difference. It does. Op- opens up the field for everybody else. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go Rams just in a vacuum in their wide receivers. Yeah, and Nikki, before you, I don't want to jump, uh, you know, too far ahead of of anything. But, um, you know, again, with with the wide receiver part of it, it's – how do I explain? I mean, it's just – yes, they they are deeper. And at the same time, I I can see where you – you know, Metcalf is a monster. But, if you know, we're going to get to secondary. If Jalen Ramsey is attached on him, then it may not be such a great day for Metcalf, Nikki. So, I don't know. I don't know what you think about this. Mm, I don't know what I think about it either. <laughs> <laughs> it's She's hard. not the best color it, it, commentator in the world for nothing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'll be the color commentator. No, it's hard. And it's for all the reasons that you guys just said. It's it's really not a clear-cut picture. So I guess you would edge it to the Rams, but I don't think it's by much. It's definitely not by much. And a lot of it will depend. Again, this is another thing in a vacuum, how well Jalen Ramsey matches up against DK Metcalf in this game. And I can see DK Metcalf going off and getting really pissed and using his body to do whatever. But Ramsey's the top cornerback. So, you know, we'll see. All right. So we're on offensive line now. And there's a big discrepancy here, guys. I looked it up. The Rams have the the, uh, number six offensive line. And they really don't let Goff get sacked too much. The Seahawks offensive line ranked 27th. Now, we know that Russell Wilson is magic and he can do this and that and the other thing, but he's been getting sacked more lately, even fumbling the ball, getting the ball smacked out of his hands. I mean, look, those numbers tell it all right there to me, guys. Nikki, it's the Rams offensive line. 
Yeah, of course. Oh my God. The I've been screaming for Seattle to get Russell Wilson in an offensive line forever now. So yeah, Rams. Yeah. What do you think, Ding? Yeah, nothing more to add. Rams easy. Yeah, yeah, I think so with that one. All right, let's get to our next one, which is always interesting, the front seven. All right, how about that? So, uh, you know what, Danny, why don't you kick this one off? Front seven. Aaron Donald. Uh, that's pretty much <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes, I. That was great. Yeah, that's pretty much all you got to say. Rams front seven definitely wins. Yeah, you add in, you know, uh, Brockers in there and Leonard Floyd. Uh, yeah, you're looking pretty good over there. Again, Aaron Donald can take up two or three guys at one time where, you know, the Seahawks got Carlos Dunlap, who's a good player. Jerron Reed, who's a good player. I love Bobby Wagner. Oh, by the way, that was another horrible failure. I picked him to be defensive player of the year, Bobby Wagner. Forget about that. That's not happening, even though he's yeah. a great player. So I failed the hell out of that one. You know, they got KJ right there. Look, they got good players, but overall – you said it, D. Aaron Donald, that defensive line, just rushing four, and letting Leonard Floyd go back there and he do what he does along with Troy Hill who will come up sometimes. Yeah, I'm with you guys all the way. All the way. So right now the Rams are looking like they have the edge at the moment. And, hey, look, again, a divisional battle. Both these teams play each other pretty well. Uh, Nikki or Damien, anything to defer to this front seven over here? No, uh, nothing to defer to Seattle's front seven. Like you said, they have good players there, but their defense has looked good a little bit lately, but they played against bad offenses. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's anything that's going to really show itself in this game, even though the Rams offense isn't the best. Um, you still can't go against the Rams front seven. No, it's very hard. And and again, uh, a stat, Nikki, this is for you. I know you love your stats. Rams second in sacks this year. Seahawks seventh. So not too far away, but the Rams – Obviously, again, like you said, Aaron Donald, there you go. Second in sacks on the year behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's get to our next category, which would be special teams. Nikki's favorite category. She loves to break down the special teams. (laughs) I know. It's so bad. Uh, Well, first of all, let's do the secondary. I skipped that. So uh, I actually caught my old self this time. Let's get Rams. Rams. (laughs) Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, that's all you got to say. And you know what? John Johnson is another good player. I mentioned Troy Hill. And yeah, Seattle's got Shaq Griffin and a banged up Jamal Adams right now smoking cigars the opposite way. I mean, that was really embarrassing. Did you guys see that? He lit a cigar the wrong side and was smoking it. He's like, yeah, we're champs. It's like, well, you're not a champ of the cigar world, bro, because you just... <laughs> That was a he, hot mess right there. I know that that taste had to hit him pretty hard that he was smoking it the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely hysterical. Love it. All right. So now we can get to our special teams. We can do that now. And that goes to Nikki. What do you say? I'm, I, I don't know. I'm playing with you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, from, from what I've seen over the years, and I don't know how much it's going to relate to this game, it seems that Seattle has had better special teams, especially when it's counted, Damien. What do you think? Yeah, um, I went with the Rams just because their their kicking game has been good and their punter is really good when it comes to field position, yes. which I think can be a very important part of this game. I think it's going to be a more of a defensive game. And you have a good punter that really matters in the field position battle. I think that's a major, major point. You're right, because Johnny Hecker is probably the best punter in the game, and I think it is going to be more defensive battle game. You're, you're, you're right. It's not going to be a lot of points like you would expect from these two teams maybe in the middle of the year. So I think that, yeah, if, you know, um, 
excuse me, if the Rams are at the 50 yard line or they're on 40 or whatever, and they have to punt, it won't be too bad. The other teams in Seattle be inside the 10 yard line. So I think it's a great, great point right there. I like that a lot. All right. So the head coach, it comes down to Pete Carroll and Sean McVay. Nikki, what do you think? I am going Sean McVay because he called out Jared Goff a few weeks ago when he was being a complete turnover machine. And I personally love someone who will call out some bullshit and foolishness. So Sean McVay all the way. All right. I dig that philosophy. Okay. What do you say, Dink? This is tough. This is a tough one. You got the the old veteran and the, the young gun and this one and I'm going to go McVay just because of his offensive brilliance. And with Seattle, it's supposed to be a defensive team because of Pete Carroll and that defense, like I said, has only looked good against bad offenses. So I'm going to go with the offensive brilliance of McVay and the edge in that one. I see why you would do that. He does have offensive brilliance. and But you know what? Pete Carroll has become an all-around coach offensively and de- defensively. He's learned throughout his years, starting off defense, going offense. So, uh, you know what, along with that and his experience where they're in the playoffs every single year and knowing what he's got for the most part, I'm going to take the old man on this one. So I'll give the edge to Pete Carroll, even though Sean McVay is an offensive genius, no doubt about it, but um, I'm going to go with the experience on this one. So that is the Rams Seattle game. And now it's time to make a prediction on the score. Nikki, what do you got? Um, I wasn't going to take Pete Carroll on that because I hate the gum chewing. Like, it's, <laughs> I don't care how successful he is. The gum chewing is like the Matt Patricia pencil, right? Like, it just yeah. irritates the hell out of me. But I, even though it seemed like the Rams are edging in every category, but not in quarterback. Mm. Russell Wilson, okay? I have Seattle 27, Rams 16. Okay, okay. And a touchdown game and a one-score game. What do you say, Damian? Yeah, this is tough because when you look at, you know, all this, I got, I wrote my categories down. I have all Rams, 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 Rams. Um, But like she said, QB, Russell Wilson. But I don't think it'll be enough. I'm going with the Rams in the upset with my man, Wolford. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going a low scoring game, 17-13 Rams. Damien, I'm with you, man. I, I went back and forth a lot, and I thought, well, it's Russell Wilson, so how can he lose against the Rams, who may not even have their starting quarterback? But again, the offensive genius of Sean McVay, which you mentioned, they're going to be able to run the ball without a doubt. They're going to keep Russell Wilson off the field as much as they possibly can. Short passes over the middle, whether it's Goff or Warford, whoever it may be. Some Something tells me it's going to be Goff, but we'll see. Um, but either way, I think they keep it a ground game. They play great on defense and, and they keep it short. I, I, I like uh, the Rams 22 to 18. I know it's a very weird score, but I do like the Rams in this game on the road. So I do agree with you. And when we're going down all those categories, that's why we're doing this. We're trying to figure out who's better where. And as quarterback is the most important position on the field, no question about it. You've got to look at the rest of the team. You have to. And that's why we did this. And that's why I think the Rams are going to win this game. So you're a lone ranger over there, Nikki, on this one with uh, Russell Wilson, your boy. That's okay. I That's okay. I've been rolling with them since the beginning of the season. And for the listeners, if you're following along, I've had better weeks pick-wise than they did. They picked the Jets <laughs> last week. <laughs> All you need to know. This is very true. 
very true. I got to give it to you there. No doubt. Oh, man. All right. Let's get to our last one. The fourth seed versus the, versus the fifth seed. It probably should be the opposite way, but right. the WFT have a home game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And here comes Tom Brady back in the playoffs with a different team. He's the quarterback of the Bucks, and I guess Alex Smith is the quarterback of the Washington football team. So do I have to ask? No. <laughs> no. You don't have to ask. I don't They're talking so. about doing a rotation of Smith and Henneke. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to do, really? Come on. Yes. On to the next no. one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, that let's... would be wide receiver. Oh, Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yep, yeah, that's another one right oh, there. Oh, running back, Rojo. That would be Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, as long as Rojo's good, maybe a little bit out of Fournette, even though I love what I'm seeing out of Gibson and McKissick lately. Uh, Damien, do you agree? Because I'm with it right there. Yeah, but I do think it's closer at running back. Like you said, yeah. Gibson and, and McKissick definitely give something there. And if as long as uh, Alex Smith doesn't set up McKissick to get blown up like he did, oh that, oh. interception, that interception <laughs> – I thought for sure he was going to get his head blown off when he threw that screen pass out there. And somehow, I don't know how that guy caught an interception on that play. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. But, yeah, he can't set him up for, to, for failure like that. But I do like Washington's running backs, but Tampa Bay has a slight edge there. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, you don't underestimate that Washington running game. But um, the Bucks have a pretty stout defense, which uh, we're going to get into in a second. But first, offensive line. You guys know what the offensive line rank is for the Washington football team? Anybody want to take a guess? I'm going to say 29th. Nicky, you can't go because he fucking nailed it. Way to go, man. Exactly. 29th. <laughs> that was wow. great. <laughs> They've patchworked this line all season. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like a mishmash. Like, you guys really? should go try on <laughs> sunday saturday whatever day the game's playing yeah why not man that was very good you absolutely nailed it i would have given you credit for 28 or 30 but you said 29 right on the nose right there and tampa bay's offensive line is ranked number four so i don't yeah. really i mean Game's no question dope. there <laughs> i mean no question there but when you get to the front seven damien that's where it gets interesting because while the Bucks have that great offensive line right there, and Brady doesn't get hit too much. Uh, you know, Washington knows how to sack the quarterback. They're sixth in sacks this year and keep getting better and better with Chase Young already being a captain of that team, Montez Sweat. I mean, Ryan Kerrigan, Allen, they got all these guys over there. Just their front four. It reminds me of the front four of the 49ers last year. They have the front four, the type of front four, that would beat Tom Brady if they had a normal team. (laughs) (laughs) If if they had a normal offense that was like 15th or whatever, that front four would be one that you would think like, okay, this is going to be a game. This is something that you have to worry about because you think about those great Giants teams that beat Tom Brady. They did it by rushing the pass with only four. Mm -hmm. They had four great defensive linemen. Mm -hmm. They have that. Unfortunately, they don't have anything else. But <laughs> they have that front seven that will that front seven that will give some issues to, to Tampa Bay and make it somewhat of a game in the first half, I think. Yeah, and that's why, Nikki, this game is really predicated. If Bruce Arians is ever going to buy into the Tom Brady system, getting it out in 2.5, it's this game because he's not going to have much longer than that. Yeah, no, he's going to have to. I, I definitely like Washington's defense over Tampa Bay. I think they're going to rattle Tom Brady, and we all know what happens. 
Um, but I don't know that they're going to keep it up. So what I found interesting is Tampa Bay's average 37 points per game in the last four of their victories, but Washington defense has allowed just 20.6 per game uh, in their last four. So it's, I, it's going to be a battle and I do give the edge to Washington there, but um, I think Tampa Bay will overcome. Yeah, I think there's one glaring statistic here. When we talked about Washington's offensive line ranked 29th and the fact that the Bucks are fourth in sacks this year, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm afraid for Alex Smith's life, to be honest with you. This could be a big, big problem. And that might be the game right there, just one at the line of scrimmage. You might even forget about all the other skill players. It might just be one at the line of scrimmage. So this could be another game where there's not a lot of points and uh, we'll check it out. We'll see. Uh, what are we up to next over here? We got secondary now? Yeah. All right. So, Damien, what do you think about this with the secondary? Uh, secondary, I went with Washington just because oh. um, they, they are able to get turnovers thanks to that front seven. And Tampa Bay's secondary can be sketchy at points. So I went with Washington for the secondary. All right. All right. Nikki, what are you thinking? Oh, I know. I gave the edge to Washington. You gave the, oh, right. Okay. That's right. You did. You gave the edge to Washington. All right. Um, this one was a little bit tough for me because – they have given up points and they have given up, uh, you know, some, some long touchdowns there, Tampa Bay. So ultimately, I mean, the reason why I think that the secondary in Washington looks so much better is because of their front four, their front seven, which doesn't give a lot of time for the quarterback to throw the ball. But again, I hate saying this word, but in a vacuum or just in a box, however you want to put it, I think that the Bucks do have more skill back there. It was just a matter of getting it together. And I think they finally have got it together despite Matt Ryan have a little bit of a field day in the first quarter over there last week. So I think I'm actually going to edge it out with the Bucks over there on the back end in the secondary. So a little bit. So I'll be Lone Ranger on that one as we move into the special teams. Nikki, take it away. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sure. (laughs) Just plain. Damien, special teams, field goal kicking, all that stuff. What do you think? I went Tampa Bay. I think they have more consistent just punting, kicking, and just special teams as far as being disciplined in their lanes and everything like that. So, you know, it wanted to sound smart, but I went with Tampa Bay on this one. <laughs> well, I am definitely going to agree with you on that one. I definitely agree. You know, Tampa Bay just looks, God, they look great. They really do. They've been playing their best ball at the right time right now, and that's what you want to do heading into the playoffs. And Nikki, like you said earlier, all that momentum – Last thing we're going to do is the head coach before we get to our score. We got Ron Rivera on one side, who I love, and we got Bruce Arians on the other side, who I do not like at all. But who's the better coach, Nikki? Um, no, I didn't do it on better coach. I did it on feel-good story because Ron Rivera is a feel-good story. Alex Smith is a feel-good story. I mean, I, I just don't like Bruce Arians. I really don't. His ego gets in the way. Um. And like we've been harping on all season, you would think you would take, um, you know, Tom Brady's, uh, you know, pedigree into consideration when you're running this offense. So Ron Rivera for me. You know what? It's Ron Rivera for me, too. And a big reason why is that his players love playing for him. They would run through a brick wall for this guy. Bruce Arians, is a, he's a jerk off. I'm sorry. And you know what? I hope he's listening right now. But he is. He put too much stuff out in the media. And as far as being a coach, he's very, very good offensively. He knows what he's doing, but sometimes he doesn't do it with the right personnel and he's stubborn and he's got an ego, like you said. So, yeah, I'm going with Ron Rivera. You know, they're both veterans, obviously, but the fact that Rivera has his team playing for him 150% every single game, 
that's what you want out of a coach, Damian. Yeah, definitely. Ron Rivera. And he's somebody who's been to the Super Bowl, right? We forget about that in his time in Carolina. Um, He coached some very good teams there. So I think that he, because he has such a good relationship, excuse me, with the players, he can get them to play for him. And you have to get, you have to take that into consideration. I think I said that a few weeks ago on this podcast that that's a big thing about coaching that's not looked at is relationships. So I think that Ron Rivera definitely has that part over Bruce Arians. Absolutely. And just for the record, Bruce Arians to go to the Super Bowl with the Arizona Cardinals actually almost pulled it off with that Larry Fitzgerald run over the middle. Oh man, what that was a very exciting fourth quarter. You guys go back to that one. What was it? Two thousand. I believe eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. 2008 or nine, something like that. Man, I mean, the be- one of the best Super Bowl plays ever, guys. Nick, yeah, of course, you remember James Harrison at the end of the half, running it all the way back for a touchdown. You think Arizona's done, but not Kurt Warner. He's got that pedigree. He comes in. Larry Fitzgerald goes absolutely nuts. But what Ben Roethlisberger and Santonio Holmes did on that last drive was nothing short of magical. And that touchdown pass and catch, you couldn't do it any better that was unreal i couldn't believe what i was watching guys yeah no awesome game hopefully we get something like that this wild card weekend yeah yeah and we got more games to to make it happen so i'm really looking forward to it we're looking forward to it you're looking forward to it third and three podcast here to give you all this information take it for what it's worth take it for what we're giving you and nikki of course being the queen of picking games and weeks and everything you might want to listen to her on that sort of stuff but uh, let's get everything out there before we go. We only got a couple of minutes left. Nikki, on Twitter, you're an amazing follow. Let everybody know where it's Oh, Jay, we have to yeah, officially the pick the game. Oh, we didn't pick a score yet. Son of a gun. I'm terrible. <laughs> I thought we all just picked the Bucks and we were going to go home. I, I did. Yeah, okay, take the Bucks and go home. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, score I'm... you got, Nick? Uh, 28-21. Tw- okay, so rather close. All right, all right. What about you, Dean? I'm going 20 to 13. 20? Oh, you got a close one, too? Okay, so, yeah, definitely taking Washington's defense into consideration over there. I'm with you. Where it's, Again, it's not going to be such a high-scoring game. I got a 23 to 17 uh, in favor of the Bucs, and, and they'll move on, and they'll move on. And I'm, well, we're not afraid of Brady playing in the cold. I wonder about the rest of the team who hasn't been in the playoffs in a long time, but Brady playing in the cold, that won't be a problem if they have to go to Lambeau or whatever it may be, so. Well, what may be a problem, though, it is a night game. Oh, yeah. Nikki- oh. <laughs> yeah, it's past Brady's bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> so that may be something to worry about with this defense. Very true. <laughs> but, yes. Still there, Jason? I think you left Jay out of out of his house. <laughs> <laughs> And have a proper send off over here. Nikki, tell them what's up. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Nikki Nick 9384. A little bit of sports, a little bit of Bravo TV, a little bit of everything for you. Yes, a lot of reality TV or what she thinks is reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> D, the show, baby, everything. Let them know. Yeah, so I have another podcast to do called The Real Deal with Damian Adams. I'm probably going to go ahead and do that one tomorrow morning. And for on Twitter, follow me at the real deal WDA, all sports, basketball, football, box, a lot of boxing on the Twitter. And I might do some reality TV. My wife got me watching Real Housewives of Potomac. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> yes. 
Here we go. So you might see that. That I gotta talk to Nikki about that because that one I know like a lot of it's scripted, but that they, these ladies are rough. Yeah, they I was, are. <laughs> I was like, yo, these there's a lot of below the belt stuff going on on that one. I was like, yo, and next thing you know, you're pulled in. Yeah, and you're not supposed to be. That's so that's how, how it happened. happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little below deck. I hope you're caught up. Uh, so yeah. yeah. That's it. I don't want to get sucked in, so I just cannot watch it at all, no matter what. No matter what the girlfriends, she's not really into it, thank God, the reality TV stuff, but she watches a cut, and I just can't. I'm like, reality TV, put on a football game. That's reality TV. That's where you go. Definitely, definitely. And that's what we do here. We do football. Hey, we got basketball coming up. It's already started. Curry put up 62 points the other day. Damien, I know we're going to love talking some b-ball. I love the boxing that you do on your show. It's awesome. Guys, you can find me on Twitter at SportsProf1. That's basically my only social media outlet. Do Power 32 podcasts from time to time. But now that we're in the playoffs, concentrating on third and three. That's it. Again, props, shout out to Anchor Radio and the sports column. We appreciate you. We appreciate everybody. Couldn't do the show without you. Nikki, Damian, God bless you. Another great show. Another great time. Definitely, man. Peace. And we'll do it again next week. We're out of here. Third and three. See you next time.